Shelton, the critical thinker at large. Hey, everybody. Uh, we are coming at you on all the usual platforms where, uh, you know, great podcasts are sold. And with video here on YouTube, I hope you guys are watching. And as you can see, with my nice new formatting, I'm trying to, you know, upgrade the look of the podcast. Even though, you know, ironically, it's a podcast, so it should really be just audio, but, you know, whatever. And uh, this week, you can see I have a guest. Um, her name is Kat, and that is all we are saying about her is her name is Kat. Hi, Kat. Hello. Hey. How's it going? I am glad to, we are finally having this conversation. Wasn't it, what, was it, was it three years ago that you first contacted me? Yeah, it was in 2017. That's when I was... Uh doing what I was doing. Yeah, and you had, well, okay, so now correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I didn't really think about this too much until today when I knew we would be talking. And if if I remember this right, uh, you reached out to me because you were um, thinking about writing a book or doing something comedic and yet incisive or detailed or knowledgeable about the subject of Scientology. Uh, yes. So okay. that's basically what I was trying to do. What ended up happening was not that. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Best so, laid plans. Yeah. But, but um, here we are three years later, and we're going to talk about all the things that happened. I mean, this was yeah. a, it was kind of an interesting, nobody had ever reached out to me with something like that before. I'd, I, I was intrigued, but, but dubious. Like, like <laughs> you're going to do what? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people <laughs> felt the same way. So, uh, uh, I don't blame you. Um, yeah, I uh, basically what I wanted to do was um, I had read like uh, Going Clear. I'd seen a bunch of stuff and I'd been following you and Aaron's um, YouTube channels and they were like really, really interesting. Um, plus, I'd seen a bunch of interviews with other people. And uh, so I knew all of the like... Um, let's say like scandalous bad things that had happened in Scientology, but I felt like there was like a gap in like the knowledge of like, okay, this is a whole system of belief that has like clearly like multiple levels and parts and different things. And I have heard all these people's very personal stories. And yet I don't know what the fuck they were doing the entire time. Like, so my, my plan or what I wanted to do was just, um, because I knew that the church wouldn't allow someone to go in and like openly be like, hey, I'm here to like find out what you guys do, but I'm not actually interested in being a Scientologist. Right. Um, they I actually like, well, call that, they actually have that as a label of, of a source of trouble for the church. Yes. Well, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> they, weren't, they weren't wrong about that. So. <laughs> not Maybe not in this case, but yeah. But you were, but you weren't going in there to 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 purposefully stir up trouble. No, I and like I was, I was not really going in there to. Um, like it's kind of strange for me that I'm going to relate like personal things that happened because originally what I wanted to do and what I think I might still do if I have the time to do it is I want to actually um, teach people in like a fun like. I still have that comedy side, you know, I'm a stand-up comedian and all that's kind of on hold, but uh, 
I wanted to um, basically go through what do Scientologists do in these classes? Like, what are they learning? What's the like, what are they being sold? And what are, how are they spending the, their time um, in these classes? Uh, so basically what I wanted to do whenever I reached out to you was kind of get like the inside scoop as I was learning this stuff, because mm-hmm. there's two parts to it. There's what they're teaching you and what they're actually teaching you. Right. And so I wanted to have both perspectives as I was doing it. Um, but what ended up happening um, to kind of sum it all up real quick is that these are actually people. And so I ended up becoming a little bit entangled in their lives. <laughs> <laughs> the human well, element. You actually yeah. made human connection with, with people and found out that they're not just a bunch of robotic cult member <laughs> automatons. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't think that they were beforehand. I just didn't. I underestimated the level to which I would be affected by their lives yeah. um, and by witnessing their, their, their lives. Yeah. Well, I think so. that's a, I don't think that's a, a black mark against you. Uh, I think that's a, I think that's a feature, not a bug in, uh, yeah. you know, empathy, compassion, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> I hope so. Cause I, I mean, I've struggled a lot with like, you know, uh, it is, it did involve deception and like, because I ended up becoming close with some people, I felt very badly about that for, you know, and I still do sometimes because, um, originally I didn't think I'd be deceiving anyone that would have any personal connection to me. So it wasn't a big deal. Mm. But then after a while, you're like, I'm deceiving someone that actually is starting to put trust in me. And so that's a little bit, um, it was rough. Well, it is. And you know, one of the things that I've been asked many times over the years and, and, and has happened a couple times is people going into the church of Scientology undercover. You know, with an investigatory purpose. Um, sometimes it's satirical and absolutely hilarious. I mean, you have um, Reckless Ben, right, who went out and, you know, Ben and Mike. They really did the whole number. They um, And then, of course, Ross and Carrie went in and they did, yeah. you know, found out about a Purif, did a Dianetics seminar and stuff. And, and there have been other efforts as well. And finding out, you know, how it had broken up families, you know, disconnected, like it was really serious and mm. that there was this really dark side to it. I think that was really more of what uh, what, what kind of got to him was, oh, wow, we're we're making fun of something. But really, this is this is a, a subject that people have had some real problems with, you know. That's that's definitely uh, something I ran into as well, because I like I held on to this uh um idea of like making it comedic for a long time uh and after a while like i wasn't laughing anymore like it wasn't like i was just like damn this is just hard like this is just sad Mm -hmm. a lot of it is just sad i mean um i don't want to say that everyone is miserable but it's you know people are living their lives and stuff but it's there's there's something just very very sad about what's going on even on like a low level class five org um yeah so yeah, that's right. Now, class five orgs, of course, for for those of you who don't know, those are the city level churches, the ones you'd see most often if you were going around to, you know, the Denver Church of Scientology or the Austin or the Los Angeles or, you know, the Madrid Church of Scientology. These are these are called class five organizations in Scientology uh, or they call them orgs. For short, did you did you hear much in the in in the time? I'll ask you some. I, I'm curious about a bunch of stuff, and I'm just gonna yeah, probably we, we, 
We never have like actually sat down we and haven't. had the whole conversation about what happened. No, we haven't. This is this is the debrief. I mean, we haven't really <laughs> had the conversation at all. And it's been I knew you were going to do this. We have maintained communication over these yeah. years about some of the things that came up um, during the process of it because you were involved uh, at the city level church. You were uh, involved with flag a little bit, you know. So you mixed yeah. it up with the Sea Org a little bit and. <laughs> um, and it was quite an interesting trek, and we really didn't know where it was going to go. And um, uh, so, just kind of randomly, I guess, because I, I, I'm I'm curious, did you run into people? Did you did you run into any Scientologists along the line who were earnest about its religiosity, about it being a church? Did they call it a church? Did they refer? To, did they try to pump you know pump the Sunday services and the religious aspect of it? Um. I would say that uh, I don't know if they were being earnest like they really believed it, but they were earnestly telling me that it was. There was a couple uh. of people. I know there was a someone that was a religious studies major um, who uh, phrased it in that way. Um, mm. And uh, he was a college kid who was doing services or he was staff or who? who so this was actually this was someone that had gone to college, but she was she was older. She was in her 40s. Oh. Um, and then um, there was one college student um, who was uh, I can. Can I say where it was? Yep, You can say whatever you want. I, the only okay. reason I'm holding back is because I want to I want to keep it safe for you to say as much as you want without too much if you don't want to. Right. So I'm not going to, I actually have like a list of names that I've like have switched their names because I want to like protect their privacy. But um, cool. there was a, a UT student, um, University of Texas. So this was in Austin. Um, and he was, um, he was taking classes at UT while working on staff uh, there. Okay. Um, yeah. And it's really funny. There was a, there was a, I was, I was talking to uh, some other UT students and I was telling them about what I was doing. And one of them said, oh, there's a Scientologist in my religious studies class. And he got really offended because this professor was talking about Scientology being a cult. And he like raised his hand and was like, I don't, he like was objecting to this uh, uh, hmm. out in the open. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I wonder how that conversation went. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in that classroom that I know. day. I, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I brought him over to, uh, uh, so I was, there's a co-op that, like a student housing co-op that I was involved in, and I, he came over one time, um, and the girl that had told me that story saw him, and she was like, oh, you're that, and I was like. We've never had that conversation. Nope, never talked about this. Interesting, <laughs> yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I was just kind of curious about that because because um, I'll tell you the whole time I was a staff member, it was never it was a pretty big non-issue, um, almost a almost a nudge nudge wink wink, know what I mean, know what I mean sort of thing. I mean it was almost that, you know, we know this is just for the PR of it. We know this isn't yeah. really like a big thing. None of us are are going to church on Sunday. You know, I mean whenever mm -hmm. whenever a Scientologist would say that, there was always a little bit of emphasis or or irony put into the into the, the state yeah you know. and um i was you know i was mostly i i wasn't presenting like a, a different persona so i was being myself and so i don't think that they felt that i was someone that needed to yeah. be assured of that 
Right. Um, like one of them said, fuck Jesus Christ at one point. So I well, was like, okay, yeah, well. There we go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're open to all denominations. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, okay. So how did you present yourself? How did you get, uh, you know, how did you open the door and walk in? And what, what, what happened when you first stepped foot in there? Um, okay. Well, there's a lot of elements to this story because it's, mm-hmm. it, it went kind of, you know, I was, I didn't have exactly my game plan. Um, it was, I think I came up with my, the idea that I wanted to do this after I stepped in. So like the going in was sort of on a whim. And then afterwards I was like, I think I want to like, see how far I can get into this, like, and like learn, and then maybe do something with that. Mm. Um, So my first, my first time going in, um, I was just like, I think I just like gotten done going to therapy and like was walking down. um, I lived in the neighborhood of the org. So I was like always around it. Um, so I was like walking next to it and I was like, you know what? I've read so much about Scientology. Like I've, I've probably more than anyone I know, like have been curious about this place, but I've never, like, it's been here like the last 10 years that I've been here. Like I should just walk in and like, see what happens. Um, so that first day I walked in and, um, the, uh, the front desk guy, uh, who I'm going to call Ben, um, he, basically set me up with, you know, the standard uh, personality test and the IQ test. Um, And once I was done doing those, they wanted me to go back into the video room and watch um, a video on Dianetics, um, which was uh, the worst. It was just terrible. Really? Yeah. It was, um, it was like the story of a football player. Oh, they showed Um, you the story of book one. Yeah, yeah. Oh my, or, or <laughs> wait a minute, wait, was it, it's either storybook one or no, it was uh, Evolution of a Science with the football player who was paralyzed mm-hmm. from the waist down. Yeah. And then he gets a copy of Evolution of a Science as a manuscript in like 19, this is supposedly based on a true story in Scientology. Oh, okay. That's, that yeah. film is, to- Hubbard told that story as though it were true. That that actually happened. Yeah, it it kind of felt like that, but I was like, I don't really know. So, um, (laughs) one like one of the first things I noticed, like, because I I was green to the experience of interacting with Scientologists, so all these things, like in the first few weeks, like I would notice um, that like became sort of commonplace after a while. But like at the very beginning, it was very strange. Like uh, Ben stayed in the room for a second. And he like put on the the video and before it like started, there was a word, I can't remember what the word was, but he was like, do you know what the word like this means? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, okay, I'm just making sure. Cause he says it in the first like sentence. And then later, uh, whenever I was being sold the uh, Dianetics book, as I was like about to leave the um, org, uh, the person that sold it to me was like, just make sure you don't go past a word that you don't understand. That's really important. And that's whenever I started hearing like that stuff, like it's like always in on their minds. Yep. You know, that's right. So yeah, um, it's very, it's a very important principle. Uh, and they want to yeah. keep you, they, they want you to be the, they want to, you want you to stick around and they believe yeah. because Hubbard says that, uh, if people go past words, they don't understand in reading something that they will become, 
upset with it, not understand it, and actually throw the book away, get rid of it, yeah. take off, not not want to study. So, and I think that that to me, like really, uh, things like that really added to the unreality of the whole situation for a long time because. Um, you know, with the with with some other religions, like um, things are kind of put on like as a, an idea of faith. But like, whenever I was around a, a lot of Scientologists that all believed certain things, they believed them as like scientific facts. So they really literally believed that if I went past a word, I would be like fuck this and be done with it, and that would be like a a true like undeniable fact that that would happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was very strange to be surrounded by that all the time because people actually really truly did believe those things though. So. Yeah, exactly. I, as you know, obviously. Yeah. No, that's right. <laughs> there is a sound. Is it my jacket? Maybe. There's yeah, there's something hitting the microphone or something. Okay, good. Yeah, I'll just take off my Awesome. Thank you. I just wanted to yeah. clear that up no worries yeah so um, no they do take that stuff seriously and like you yeah. said it's they actually regard it as at the same level as as you know scientific fact as the as the hard sciences you know yeah um so I, after i was shown this uh video they uh graded my uh iq test and my personality test and i actually was looking over it i hadn't looked over what the written thing said i was looking over it um a couple of days ago and I was like, holy shit, this thing is harsh as hell. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's like, <laughs> this, this, it's like the evaluation script of what they're supposed to say to you. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I don't remember her being that harsh about it, but like I'm going back and reading this thing that I had, you know, tossed aside, didn't read it. And I'm like, damn, this is just like a savage takedown of my personality. That's right. Um, That's right. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, at that point, I was like, you know what? I'll I'll spend the twenty bucks for uh, the book Dianetics and a, di- a f- free Dianetics session. Oh, um, they give you a session? <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. So they they said the session came along with the book. If I bought the book, you know. Nice I would gimmick. Get the, yeah. Um, and I actually had like <laughs> I had like four sessions uh, of Dianetic auditing sessions by the time this is all over. Um, what'd you think? Boring. <laughs> boring. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not, not a not uncommon uh, response. Yeah. To it. it was. Um, yeah, it was just it was basically boring because you know um, you're just repeating the same thing over and over again for hours, and uh, that's not fun. It's very boring. Yeah. No, it's it's not. Uh, it can be tedious. In fact. Mm-hmm. And um, and it, Hubbard calls this, uh, if it goes on too long like that, then you're grinding. You're not supposed to actually be, that's not how it's supposed to go. Mm. But, you know, whatever. That's uh, how it's supposed to go <laughs> and how it goes yeah. are kind of two different things. Yeah. So, um, so, you, so you were kind of going in to see what this was about. You hadn't quite fully formulated this idea of this longer-term project. You were honestly curious about it um well i was just curious like uh to i would like my my 
desire in that first like little whim that I was doing was to just go in and take the personality test. Mm -hmm. But once they, once they set up, um, come back in a week and we'll give you the Dianetic session. They were like, they wanted me to read as much as I could and then get the Dianetic session in a week. During that week, I was like, okay, I have this idea of like what I want to do. Uh, okay. Um, and so I came back and got that Dianetic session, um, and uh, it was interesting, but yeah, it was pretty boring. Would um, you have stuck around if you hadn't envisioned this longer term project of finding out what this was all about? No, I don't think so. I don't think I could have justified it to myself. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. Um, and that's what happens to a lot of people. You know, we talk about this business of, you know, them finding your ruin, you know, pushing your buttons, getting you emotionally connected, and then feeding you, you know, Hubbard stuff. And then, and that is the way people get connected with it. But an awful lot of people go in, have exactly the first and second experience you had and go, uh, okay, whatever. And leave and just walk out the yeah. door and never come back, you know? Yeah. Well, in a way it's funny because in a way, like, I don't want to say that they, they, that they definitely found my ruin, but like, um, because they didn't ever, get me to actually believe in any of their things, but they did get me to stay around for a while and they got some of my money. Yeah. Um, and uh, like about a year later, I was talking to a Sea Org member who was like asking me like, how did I get in? And I basically told her what the truth was, which was I was bored, you know? Mm -hmm. And she was like, oh, so you needed a game. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh yeah, no, there's nothing. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, there's, yeah. It, it, they've heard everything, so. yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, they don't really yeah. care how you get in as long as you stick around. Right. And so that really was the truth is I was I was bored. I, I think, uh, you know, Trump had just become president and I was like, fuck everything. Um, so I just I was bored. And in that week I decided, like, why not do this? I just got a job that paid me like quite a bit of money, quite a bit more money than I had ever made. So I was like, I could kind of like I could see myself doing this and like getting out and then being done. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay, so it's that kind of thing. And of course, they're gonna think now with you so freely admitting this, that of course it was never going to work on you in the first place because you didn't have the right attitude. Right, And yeah. you know, this attitude's everything when it comes to groups like this. And mm -hmm. you know, the funny thing about science is that um, it, it is true that your mood can affect your health, and it is true that your emotional well-being definitely has an effect on your general well-being and general health. But you don't have to believe the measles vaccine is going to work in order for it to work. Right. Yeah. You know, you don't exactly. have to believe anything in order for science mm -hmm. to do its thing. That's the whole point of it. And so mm -hmm. they're a bit off on this, you know. Oh, yeah, you were just a but... source of trouble from the get-go. Yeah, I mean, and that's, it's... <laughs> I just got to poke a pin in that because no, I know I for a fact are. there are going to be Scientologists watching this. Yeah, no, it's so. very strange. I don't think anyone from the org is going to see it. And maybe, uh, I, I'll say her name because I don't give a shit about her, but uh, Kathy yeah. is probably going to see it. Probably. Um, she's kind of, she's the real uh, OSA person. And um, so right. don't really, don't really mind saying her name yeah no, but, um, and no she's the pr director for the church that she's the press liaison she's the person who would be talking to the cameras if there was ever any story about it there in that yeah. area in austin mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so, um, yeah, I'm glad that you poked that hole in that, though, because, I mean, I think that's important to, to point out yeah. um, because there's there are, like, these ways that um, they can, like, people can logic their way out of these, um, like, pretty much everything. I would, like, sometimes try to throw, like, little wrenches in, like, not outright, but just, like, because I was new, I could get away with, like, questioning things yep. um, and like trying to get people to see things a certain way. And there was always an answer. There was always an answer. Like, like can, do you have, can you give an example? Um, yeah. So there was a one, um, there was one guy that the front desk guy, Ben, I got super close with him actually, or I felt that we got pretty close, but um, I was talking to him one time and I kind of, uh, was bringing up some of the things that people had said about miscavige and some of the abuses and stuff. And, um, he, he was refuting it. He was saying like, Oh, miscavige is like a really small guy. And this guy was saying that miscavige hit him. Like that doesn't make any sense. And I was like, okay, but like, theoretically, if you found out that COB, uh, David miscavige was an asshole, like a, a evil piece of shit, would you like leave? And he, he was like, well, I would think that he should be removed. And I was like, well, what if, you know, he, but he was like, uh, what did he say? He said, it's out reality for us to think that somebody would lie to that level. And I said, yes, but there are people like that. What if L. Ron Hubbard was one of those people? And um, he said, uh, well, then if he was, I would leave, but um, Scientology is doing so well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the and that's one of the fallbacks that's one of the fallback positions is we're expanding so much i mean i used to do this all the time to myself yeah. in my own head mm -hmm. i would deal with my own self-criticism of the organization because look at all the expansion we're opening exactly, up all yeah. these churches right how could that possibly be happening if you know, David Miscavige was such a bad guy. If this was all on, if this wasn't on the up and up, if if uh, if he was not, you know, forwarding L. Ron Hubbard's intention, then how could we have all these civic leaders and and local politicians come to our events and say all these glowing words, right? And I was utterly clueless about how the real world works, so yeah. I didn't understand that you know that a that a photo op was something that politicians run to if they can you know do community relations and stuff. Mm -hmm. They don't have to know anything about Scientology in order to speak glowing words about it because the words they're speaking aren't even theirs; they're written for them. So I was uh, I, I didn't know any of that stuff, so it was pretty easy for me to stay locked in the in the bubble with mm -hmm. that, as you ran into when you were running when talking to people. You, you yeah. never have a conversation like that on a Sea Org base, but I'm I'm fascinated <laughs> that it happens at the city level churches as as openly as well. What if you know and and yeah. the, and they do get that, so they have well, to build up those defenses. Mm -hmm. And this person was probably the only person that I would have those kinds of conversations with mm. um, because he was much more open to like have it like the first time we had a conversation like that nothing happened and everything was okay um, so I continued to have conversations like that with him but it was always kind of fruitless unfortunately yeah and that's yeah. that's why I say you know you're not going to get anywhere 
talking stuff like that with with mm-hmm. cult members because they because those that thought fortress is is quite strong. <laughs> you yeah. were you were tapping at the walls there. <laughs> Hey, yeah. what about this? What about this? What about this? And it's like, nope, nope, not making a dent. Not making yeah, a dent. For sure. Well, how did how far along did you have to get before it started becoming a problem to ask questions like that? Or talk about things like that? You mentioned you didn't really um, spread that around to other people, but I mean, was there ever any kind of other interaction like that? Or was there a point where it became clear that if you rock the boat, there might be repercussions. Um, so in the beginning, there was actually like not as many like uh, like intense conversations like I had with Ben, um, but there with the other members, um, there were a lot of I was given a lot of slack um, because I felt that I had that slack because they did want me to come in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually kind of fucked up a little bit, like, um, not even on purpose at the very beginning. Um, the first, uh, after I did my Dianetics session, um, I came back, uh, I signed on for the Dianetics seminar and, um, there was one other person who was new that came in and did the seminar with me. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, we did a Dianetics session with her, um, where I was like the auditor mm-hmm. with the, with the guy that um, was kind of teaching the seminar, like um, looking over us or like uh, supervising. Sure. Yeah. He was supervising. Mm-hmm. And so um, the, the seminar, just so people know it's a two day deal. Yeah. You did the two day yeah. deal where you spend a few hours learning about Dianetics and how to do it on one another. And then you spend the rest of the weekend auditing each other on Dian on, you know, past moments of stress and trauma is the idea. Mm-hmm. So just so people are clear on what we're talking about. Right. So um, that first day that I came in, um, there was a girl uh, who had been introduced to Scientology by like a Tinder date. And um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how it, like, Okay. Swipe right for Dianetics. All right, here yeah. we go. <laughs> Um, so, but she, she, to me was appeared like super vulnerable because she was telling me like, we had this like lunch break. And, uh, so we had a little bit of time to chat before our session. Like we, we had seen the videos and learned and stuff. And we had some time to chat before, like we did the Dianetics on each other. Um, and I was kind of, I was super curious, like, what the fuck are you doing here? You know, because people just don't really get into Scientology anymore. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I am going to ask you about that. Remind me because I want to, yeah. I want to, we'll take that up next, but please continue. Yeah. So um, I asked her about it. She told me that it was a Tinder thing and uh, she was, she was like, Oh, and I took this, um, I took the personality, te- personality test and it was spot on. And I've just been so like lost and like, uh, had so much trouble lately and just been down and I can't get out of it. And so I wanted to come in and try this. And so after she had told me that we did her Dianetics session and it wasn't like a very serious uh, memory or anything. It was like a pretty bland childhood, like embarrassment story, but it was obviously I could tell that it was emotionally affecting her and she was having to go over it over and over again. Um, and it was 
like seeing that was and not being used to it and knowing that that person is in a vulnerable state, Mm -hmm. it really like affected me. Like I I was very upset after it was over, like, um, like immediately after it was over, I left. And uh, that night I was having this like crisis of conscience. And I just was like, I can't let this person like, I can't let them get more into this. And Mm. so I, I texted her and I was like, Hey, I just want you to like, look at some of this stuff before you um, decide to keep going with, with this, because I think you should know that there's a lot of stuff about this group. That's not so great. That's pretty well known. Mm. Yeah. So I texted that to her. And so I was like, well, I texted that to her. Um, I, that's pretty much it for me, I guess. Uh, Scrap the whole thing. And so uh, I didn't show up for the next day. And because I was like, sh- I know, like, I'm not going to show up and do this again once I told this person that it's bullshit. Um, so I was like kind of living with that. But then, I, you know, like I said, I walked by the org like every day. Like it was on my like route. And uh, I also worked at UT at the time. So I was like always there. Right. Because um, it's right across the street from the university. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm walking by and I see, um, uh, I'm going to call her Patricia. She's a a very old, like long-term Scientologist that, um, I got to know pretty well. She's in there. She was the one that sold me the book. She's in there. I see her sitting in there and I was just like, ah, fuck it. I'll like go in and like, uh, ask her like what happened with the Dianetic session. And she's like super cold to me, like totally like not, doesn't want to engage. But I was like, Hey, I wanted to like apologize for not coming to that session. And like, um, she's like, yeah, uh, so-and-so told me what you texted her. And I was like, oh, snitch. Of course. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, "Ah." so I kind of was like in this moment where I was just decided, okay, I'm just going to like apologize and say that people sent this to me and that they were worried about me. And so I sent it to her. And that, um, and I made up this whole thing about like, um, this is, you know, how I didn't necessarily believe it. And I, I still wanted to give it a chance. And so she like turned it all around and like, let me come back. Wow. Yeah. And, um, they set me up with a, my own like Dianetic session to make up for the Sunday that I missed. Wow. And I went back and did another one and, uh, Yeah. Well, you had paid for the seminar, so I suppose True. that, you know, they felt obligated. How, but, uh, how, yeah. how, okay, so you come in there, this girl comes in through Tinder. Uh, how, how many new people were coming around when you were doing your, because your, you ended up, I mean, there's the, 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 the spoiler here is you've been involved in this for a couple of years as a result of this. So over it's that about a year time. And a half, yeah. Yeah. So over that time, uh, were there any other new people coming around? Did you see new faces every week or what was that like? I saw her. She was the first one, but then she left. She moved to Alaska. Um, (laughs) Yeah, she didn't take any other courses. And then um, my twin on the HQS, which I took later, he was the only other one the whole year and a half that I was involved. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I knew it was bad, but wow. Yeah. That's, yeah, Austin. Austin mm-hmm. was an org that I managed 
for really? years. Yeah, it's in the West US. I was West US management. So you, um, you probably you probably knew quite a bit of the people that I interacted yeah, with. Yeah, probably. Sure. Um, but I was management from 1995 to about 2003, and uh, okay. and so I knew kind of the older crew also, right? But mm -hmm. Kathy, I mean, yeah. she'd been around forever, right? Once you're sort of in that position, you mm -hmm. uh, you stick on it. Um, so, and Austin had always been a bit of a goose egg org. Um, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The stats were zeros all the time on, uh, and this is what I mean by goose eggs, right? It's zeros, yeah. right? You just, you see a graph and there's no line because it's all zeros along yeah. the bottom. <laughs> You're like, ah, no yeah, books well, sold, no new people coming in, right? No, yeah. no, hardly any money. And then you're just like, ah. Putting, uh, in, putting an org across an institute of higher education, maybe not the best idea. Well, you know, you know <laughs> Hubbard actually, this is funny. I knew this was going to come up during this, and I don't know that I've ever, I don't think I've told you about this, but Hubbard actually wrote a specific set of orders for Austin based on the fact that that university was there. And he said that study tech was the uh, bridge to society. Uh, for Scientology back in the, this before there was really a criminon or a narconon or applied class before all that stuff existed mm -hmm. really back in the 70s he said that study tech would be our bridge to society and that you could use you know that misunderstood word stuff and how to study there's a whole body of knowledge to this in Scientology it's not a small thing they've got classes yeah. and and they really take it very seriously and they believe that they know how to teach somebody how to learn anything uh, and that they've got this whole little system set up for this. And, uh, and so Hubbard said, use that to get to the university, right? Use that to form up a student club mm -hmm. and get them doing Dianetics, right? Get these college yeah. kids going. And back in the 70s, colleges were one of the mainline places for new Scientologists, late 60s and 70s. The, the Scientology totally marketed to that demographic and uh, and really hit it good. I mean, so many of the Scientologists of the 70s and 80s and 90s who are now creating second and third gen Scientologists came in through college. Yeah, well, my, my dad actually went to uh, went into the org. Like, not It was in a different location at the time, but he was at UT in the 70s. Yeah, there you and go. Uh, he followed a pretty girl in there, and uh, then they, <laughs> <laughs> then they like freaked him out. And that's usually how it goes. Yeah. But that was the route, and Hubbard was very precise about it. And he actually personally wrote a letter to the executive director of Austin in the '70s when he had done this this evaluation, and he said, "Look, man, you got to turn this org around. You got to get this thing going. Here's how to do it." Annie, um, and the, the, uh, the, the idea was to utilize the university, and they never really did. Yeah. They could never really pull it off. They never mm -hmm. made that happen. And so we just ran Austin like any other org, but it was supposed to, you know, in terms of individual attention, it was supposed to be doing that. You know, it was supposed to, it, it was supposed mm -hmm. to that was supposed to be a feature, not a bug, having that university there. Yeah, and, and there's an unimaginable amount of foot traffic that goes by there, too, but yep. no one ever goes in. Exactly. It, like as a joke. That's right. You know? Same as Santa Barbara. I mean, it, Santa Barbara was known throughout the Western United States as being 
the most foot traffic past the door of any of the West U.S. organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, the only ones in the world that were getting better foot traffic were New York and I think Milano. Milano had some insane kind of body traffic thing they were doing. And then Milano had learned how to how to catch that fire. They were they were bringing people in by the bucket load uh, over there in Italy. Italy was taken off with Scientology and we were like, "Well, why can't we?" <laughs> and uh, we would we would, you know, and when I worked in Santa Barbara, it was the answer was obvious because none of us wanted to go out there and talk to those people. And uh, also, many of them were tourists. So, yeah. you know, you sell them a book, but, you know, they're not coming back. And it takes a lot. Sometimes it can take an hour or two to sell a book. So, you know, you spend your whole day doing that and you're not getting anybody. So, anyway, just those, uh, you're bringing back old memories for me here. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. Um, they, they, uh, one of the first things that they asked me actually was, um, this was Patricia, the, the one, she'd been in Scientology since 1968. Ah. Um, and, uh, we, you would actually know her because we talked about her son, uh, who she doesn't talk to anymore. Yeah. Uh, that was in the Sea Org. But, um, she, one of the first things that she asked me was, um, did you see the South Park episode? And I was like, nope, never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> don't know what you're talking about. Do you think she believed you? I don't, I don't know. But she... <laughs> But she, she accepted took, your she answer. Accepted it. Yeah, okay. She accepted it. Yeah. But then we later talked about the master and I was like talking about how I had seen it and how I liked it. And um, everyone else in the room was like, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. <laughs> and, um, she was, she was, she said that she had seen it. Really? And so, yeah. And so we had a little discussion about that. And um, this is what I'm talking about. Things I could get away with earlier on. Right, um, right. Like having a discussion about, about the master. And, well, when you brought that up, I'm curious, actually. Uh, tell me about that. Do you remember anything she said about it? Um, she was, she wanted to, like, sort of theorize, like, who in the uh, movie was supposed to be who. Like, if Freddie was, um, you know, she was, she knows a lot about, like, Hubbard's history, I guess. So, um she was theorizing that he was a certain early defector. Um, and so she wanted to like talk about that theory. And then she said that she didn't like the wife character. And I think that because it's because that movie sort of separates Hubbard's personalities into like the charming guy. And then his wife is like his other side, even though like in reality, like Hubbard was both of those things. That's one way of looking at it, I suppose. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about it that way because um, because I see both sides in in Philip Seymour Hoffman's portrayal of 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 the Hubbard character. Um, oh, def- definitely. But I think yeah. the more the more obvious, like harsh, like so, yes, the harshness is more obvious in the um, the wife. Well, it is, but that's actually how Mary Sue was too. Oh, okay. Yeah, she wasn't. Well, she wasn't rainbows and, and butterflies. Yeah. Yeah, she was not. Um, she was ruthless, hardcore. Uh, she could be, she could be a real authoritarian. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Patricia had said, you know, she hated that character. She Interesting. She didn't like that character. Interesting. Um, yeah, but, uh, I can't remember exactly what was said about the whole movie, but, um, it was just, 
uh, the rest of the people in the group were like, no, 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 I've never seen it. And Patricia was like, I've seen it. She's a little rebellious. Like she, I liked that about her personality. She was kind of a little bit um, willing to. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny the different levels of experience you'll find with Scientologists. Mm -hmm. Some of them are a little more willing to get out there and others are meek and mild and and you don't hear them peep, you know, even peep much. So, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. So. uh, So, again, was there a point where where along the line of the classwork you were doing and the auditing work you were doing, was there a point where you felt for whatever reason? You know, whether it was defined or not, um, that, okay, now I've crossed a, a line where if, I, if I'm critical now or if I start speaking up or saying stuff now, this could be bad or there could be bad consequences. I shouldn't do that. What, what was that? Did you reach that point? Um, yeah, uh, I think probably the um, if I could ballpark it i'd say when hurricane harvey happened and i i helped out with some of the volunteer minister stuff Mm. um someone that was there uh from out of town asked me if i was a scientologist because i was like gonna go in there and like help and she was like are you a scientologist and i said yes and um i could tell that like after it wasn't because i had said that to her but i could tell that because i felt compelled to say that to her that something had shifted Mm. that I didn't feel comfortable saying, no, I'm not like, you know, I felt that, um, at that point, um, I was sort of expected to like have the answers that I was looking for now. Okay. Um, Like, not that I couldn't ask any more questions. It's just that like, you've, you've asked your questions (laughs) like that time is done. Right. Um, you're not a newbie anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that was about that was about seven months in. Okay. Yeah. Sounds about right. That actually yeah. sounds about right. Yeah. Uh as far as, you know, my experience with new people mm-hmm. and, and, and sort of easing them along. Did you feel eased along? Um, I a little bit. I it's hard to tell what they like I think people different people felt differently about me. Mm. Um, explain like, 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 what do you mean? Uh, so some people seem to be taking a very like, um, trained, uh, obvious trained path with me, like doing it by the book, the way they spoke to me and the way they like draw, drew me in other people, maybe it's because it wasn't part of their job or whatever, seem to talk to me like, um, like just another person um and those are the people that i ended up getting close to because i didn't feel like they were trying to sell things to me even though they were right (laughs) they were a little smoother (laughs) about it yeah (laughs) well there is there's the natural sort of personality that just wants to be friends and then they'll sell you stuff and then there is Mm -hmm. the this is my job and i am now going to do my job Mm -hmm. you know sort of thing and we should have a separation between us and this, yeah. should, this should be understood as far as what roles we have here, you know. So, interesting. Yeah, the, the, the majority of my interaction with people, the people that I, um, that I got to know really well, um, were staff members. I didn't really get to know people that weren't on staff that well. Hmm. Um, because those were the people that had an interest in talking to me, you know. 
Well, that's interesting. Were you going to services during the day hours or during the nights and weekends? Uh, nights and weekends. But the thing is that the, the job that I had at UT, I was someone that could leave my, like I wasn't in an office. I was like going around campus, um, tagging, uh, putting like tags on expensive equipment. And so I could leave and like not have anything to do that day. So I could go into the org during the day and just shoot the shit like whenever I wanted to. Okay. So the three people at the front, um, the two older ladies, one who had been in since like 1959, the other 1968, and then Ben, the uh, front desk guy, I could sit there and talk to them as much as I wanted to. And they were like, they didn't have shit to do. I mean, they <laughs> they did, but like... <laughs> But they didn't really. I mean, all of it's sort of just busy work. It's not like, you know, there's a whole lot they're doing that are really keeping the doors open. What, yeah, so okay. I would just yeah, that, that's, and that's interesting because those three guys weren't around during the night and weekend hours. Is that right? Well, uh, the two ladies were um, not around, but uh, Ben was on course a lot. So he okay. would do. He would do. Gosh, he was he was doing um, full time staff, and he was driving for Uber, and he was doing the SRD. Okay, survival rundown. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and we'll get and we'll get to that. So um, he was pretty much constantly in the org doing stuff. Yeah. Right. Uh, interesting. Did um, yeah, we don't have to get into the specifics of him. Um, so the foundation, because the 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 churches, the reason I'm asking or making this differentiation day foundation is the foundation, the nights and weekend hours. Same building, same desks, you know, but different crew of people. Yeah. Right? Two different organizations, different executive directors, different executives, different different crew. Um, so you have Austin Day and then you have Austin mm-hmm. Foundation and different income streams. So, you know, that when they're making money and doing services nights and weekends, then the day guys aren't around. Mm-hmm. Although they might be on course or doing their auditing. Yeah. And then flip it for the other way around is how it's supposed to go. So it's interesting. You were doing most of your services and foundation, but most of what we're talking about is with the day org guys. Yeah, I I didn't really ever think about that. But it's yeah, I, I was interacting socially with the day uh, org people um, for the most part. The um, But I mostly for like for services and stuff and for like getting stuff sold to me the ed of the foundation was who i mostly like spoke with the executive so you were speaking with the head of the organization to sell you stuff um at one yeah she would she would get involved with something she would text me like oh my god like to get me on student hat like at a certain point they wanted like my twin on the hqs was like in and out of town like all the time so they wanted to get me on something else um and so she her and the day uh, ED pushed to get me on student hat. Um, of course. Was it free with any other major service or did they want to sell it to you? Did you have to pay money for it? No, they wanted me to pay $2,000 for a student hat. <laughs> and I was like, it used to be free. They would literally give away the student hat if you took it with any other major service. No, now it's $2,000. Nobody grand. paid for the student hat. It used to be like just, you know, you'd buy the tapes, yeah. you'd buy the lectures, and you buy the materials, but you didn't have to buy the course. 
Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's funny. That's interesting how they changed that up for $2,000 to teach you this yeah. class about, you know, to basically create and uh, give you an OCD disorder regarding looking up words and dictionaries is basically the yeah. end result of that course. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting. So so not a lot of any social interaction with the with the foundation guys. Um, I'm trying to, well, you know what, actually, uh, yeah, because, um, the foundation, uh, one of the foundation guys was the student at UT and, um, I, he, he came over to the co-op one time. Um, and I, I did talk with him a lot because he was, um, he was the only kind of leftist liberal guy in the whole org. And so, really, yeah. And his brother was, um, I can't remember what he was. His brother was the one that like later on when I got in trouble, did all the conditions with me. Um, and so both of them, I interacted with quite a bit and I think they were foundation. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, now you just dropped a little interesting bomb there that I want to, I want to pick up and talk about a little bit. And that was the politics of this, of this group of people. Um, now this is Texas. Yeah. Texas is, I think, a lot like Colorado, a lot like um, in that uh, there is a center, there is a one place where there's a lot of liberals and progressives, and then the rest of the state's very red, very yeah. conservative, right? Colorado is very much that, although I believe the Denverites pretty much outnumber the rest of the people in the rural areas around the state and the other cities around the state. So, um, so Den- or Colorado is a pretty, is, is per is considered purple. I think, mm-hmm. I don't think it's considered blue yet, but, um, but Austin, Austin is sort of the liberal progressive stronghold of Texas, isn't it? Yes, definitely. So it's interesting to me that that being the case, a bunch of conservatives are <laughs> on staff. Why do you think that would be? Uh, you know, there's certain, aspects of reality that I tend to believe are um, <laughs> lean a little bit more liberal that uh, that uh, can be easily ignored sometimes by people that are conspiracy minded, mm. I guess. I don't know. It's hard to, I was a little bit surprised at how conservative everyone was, um, mm-hmm. but. Uh, Trump supporters? Or, oh, or, yeah. or, okay, not, not, were there any like old school GOP who didn't, who weren't really Trumpers, but claimed to be conservative? Did, did you, did you get that deep with it? Um, I don't think we ever really talked about that. I, the only thing that I saw was rah, rah, Trump. Right. Type stuff. Right. Rah, rah, Trump. Yep. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me in any way. Um, mm-hmm. did you notice while listening to what, what, how, how much you were exposed to Hubbard, you mentioned the HQS course. That's the Hubbard Qualified Scientologist course. It's a beginning mm-hmm. level course for people to really get their feet wet with Scientology and, and get a kind of a, uh, a little good sprinkling of all of it. You do the auditing, you do a bunch of reading, you listen to Hubbard. Um, did it through that course and then you got onto the survival rundown, I think, eventually, right? No, I never. Cause that oh, was you never like- started it. No, because I, I paid $500 for the HQS, which was like a big, like, I almost didn't do it. And I had the money at the time. I was like, another one of those moments where I was like, all right, if I want to keep going, then I have to do this. But like, my line was really like, I was not going to pay 
$2,000 for anything. Right. Like I was definitely, you know. Right. And that's, and that's again, the gradient scale, the graduated scale of services, yeah. right? You come in, how much was the dynamic seminar? Was it like 50 bucks? It was actually 120. 120. Okay. So 120 for that. Mm -hmm. um, after you've bought your first book and got your free session. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they start you with a book, then $120, then $500. Well, actually I took, um, if you want to get into it, I can I can go more chronologically because there's there's a lot of shit that happened like uh, in between like HQS. Well, like, no, no, I want to let me finish this other thing first, and then we can get to that. But I just I just just commenting on the on the increasing mm -hmm. price scale of the services as you go, as you're getting right. deeper and deeper in, and it and it, it you know apparently picks up pretty fast. Now, did you listen to Hubbard? Did you ever listen to Hubbard lecture or talk? Yeah, because I was like, uh, I was very much interested in learning. Like I said, the 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 main purpose that I was there for was still on my mind. I was wanting to see like what people were learning. Mm -hmm. um, so I did listen to a shitload of Hubbard. Did you notice his politics? Yes. Um, How would you describe it? I would I would describe him as like someone who's conservative that wants to appear liberal uh-huh i like i maybe libertarian a bit there we go yeah uh, i think that's a, i think that's exactly the direction that hubbard skewed and and pretty and pretty like libertarian conservative more not libertarian mm -hmm. progressive Right. Yeah. Um, you know, he was uh, pretty hardcore when it came to sexual values, very, you know, mid Midwest sort of conservative 1950s uh, values, mm -hmm. sexual, you know, with sexuality, with, uh, with even, though, even with, though he had some questionable uh, things that would maybe suppressed. <laughs> well, well, that's the funny thing about Hubbard. Is I'm talking about what he said rather than what yeah. he did. Because what he did, he was a randy little, <laughs> you know, he was yeah. he was out there. Um, the guy was a total serial, you know, philanderer. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, hell, he was a bigamist. He married two women at the same time for a year. Yeah. He was married to two different women, and they didn't even know it. I mean, it was crazy. And, but and I'm also I'm also referring to Dianetics, the kind of weird sexual shit that's in that book. Uh huh. What, what, did, what, what was your takeaway from some of that? Um, that it was just very strange. I was like, why would someone's mind go there? Like, <laughs> he like, talks about attempted abortions a lot, doesn't he? Yeah, like he's just and uh, Ben came to a party with me where I like said to him, I was like, you know what, I. I really didn't like Dianetics. Like, I just kind of hated that book. And he was like, he's raised in Scientology. He was like, I've never read it. And I was like, what? Yep. You, you have to read this book. <laughs> it's fucked up. <laughs> it's fucked up. <laughs> it is. Like, it is, man. It is a, it is a slog to get through that yeah, book. I, I could not do it until I was on the um, solo auditor course. So I think that was well into my Sea Org. Yeah, that was when I got back onto it and finally completed Dianetics. I think it was uh, after I was off after management. I think that was in the, I think that was in the two thousands that I finally read it. See, that's that's crazy to me because 
you know, you're so deep into Scientology at that point and you haven't read this foundational That's right. book. That's right. I mean, and, I knew um, the principles of it because I had seen the videos. I'd read I'd read Evolution of a Science. I had read um, Original Thesis. I had read, um, I'd watched the Dynetics DVD many times. I mean, I, I understood the concepts that Hubbard was communicating in the book. What I had been missing out on was all the colorful anecdotes and yeah, exactly. of attempted abortions and women cheating on their husbands and, mm-hmm. you know, all this all this dramatic content that he said was contained in little neonatal engrams, you know, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, point, I think, where I was going with that is I was kind of curious about your takeaway on Hubbard's politics because I think it influences Scientologists a great deal. Um, it certainly did me and mm-hmm. others I knew in Santa Barbara, which is a California liberal bastion. And we were pretty, we, that org skewed pretty conservative. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that was my experience with Scientology staff going around in the Western United States, you know, is that they were a pretty conservative lot. And, uh, and I came out of Scientology, you know, uh, a lot of conservative values, you know, that I've since had to re-question as part of the whole process. But Yeah, well, I mean, I don't want to, uh, like, insult anyone, but I just feel that, like, a lot of the libertarian ideas that are in Scientology um, are, you have to ignore ideas of empathy in order to mm-hmm. go along with them. And that's a requirement in Scientology, too. Like, you can't, empathize with people too much because if you do then you'll start looking out for their best interests and that's not exactly always in line with what Scientology wants that's exactly right yeah. how how much did that make sense to you while you were when you were in quote unquote right when you were reading this stuff and and applying it or looking at how it was applied around you did that seem like they these people were on the right page or did it seem like something was off with that uh, in the sense, like, uh, on the right page, like, uh, what do you mean? Oh, well, as far as did you think that, you know, this idea of uh, Hubbard, for example, talks about sympathy, like it's the least that you could do for somebody is sympathize with them. Like, if you can't do anything else with them, fine, sympathize with them, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. this sort of last resort if everything else has failed, it's a fairly, like you said, kind of cold or sort of compassionless view. Mm-hmm. Um, that I, I think I was talking about like that, you know, that because that, that attitude is is cultivated in a way as part of the Scientology package. Um, yeah, I, I what I saw was, and this was one of the reasons why, like, I eventually like couldn't stomach it anymore, is that um, because I had come to care about a lot of these people. I got so sick of seeing them not advocate for themselves. Um, wow. They, they wouldn't advocate for each other and they wouldn't advocate for themselves um, when they were tired, when they like or overworked, whenever they didn't, you know, they weren't, uh, they clearly weren't having a good time or they were being pressured to give more money for this sort of pie in the sky idea of this org and like, you know, the pressure was always on for everyone there and no one ever seemed to to feel that it was within their rights to say, fuck this, you know, like, I don't feel like doing this. Um, and that was really frustrating to me because I think, and it, it was obvious that 
the foundation for that is absolutely in Hubbard's texts. They, um, he primes you to ignore those feelings of um, self-interest, even though it's you're supposedly like becoming more of an individual. Like you really are sublimating all of your um, needs to this organization, and he he mm. pr- he prepares you to do that. That's interesting that you say that because I hadn't thought about it that way, but I see, I, I see exactly what you're saying, and I couldn't agree more. I wonder how many things I read or listened to over the many years that I was in that actually primed me for that exact point of view, and you know, without me being totally aware of it even happening. Yeah, I mean, I think that that happens a lot with um, with you know high control groups. They're that's that's kind of what they that's what they rely on to in my view that's what they rely on to to get people to stay because if you if you start to think that you deserve a break or like whatever um you might just leave you know exactly the point <laughs> that's right yeah um, that's right don't make a very very effective uh slave if you have free will yeah doesn't work. Doesn't work so well, you know. Right. What did you think about Hubbard's mantra about you know how in order to, uh, in order you have to first be willing to be controlled before you can control others? Did you uh, you run across that one in your HQS studies or auditing studies? Yeah, I um. So they gave us a set of books: as Fundamentals of Scientology, um, Problems of Work the Dianetics book and, um, oh, I forget the other one, but, um, so I read all these books and I, I noticed, uh, that in, um, uh, fundamentals of Scientology when it's teaching you about auditing. Was that Scientology, the fundamentals of thought, by the way? Yes, that's, yeah, that's what it's called. Um, it's, uh, it kind of sets you up to, um, expect certain things from the auditing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when those things happen, you think it's like, you might be under the illusion that it's working, but it's already set up to do that. Right. You're set up to have those conclusions. And so when you have them, it's like, oh, wow. But it's just because you, the idea was already implanted in your brain. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's exactly right, and I and I and that's why I I speak about pre and post hypnotic suggestion being part of the process, and indoctrination being part of the process. They 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 prime you for what's supposed to happen in an auditing session, and it makes it a very different procedure. It makes it a very different experience than if you went in not really knowing what to expect, mm-hmm. and then this process was done on you. You know, if you didn't have any idea of what this was doing or why, you you, you wouldn't put up with it for very long. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I was I, I would get frustrated with my twit because like I we and en- I ended up spending a lot of time like in the HQS. So I was I sacrificed time to be there, and um, I could see that like whenever I was auditing him, the way it works, where we go back and forth. I could see what his end phenomenon was supposed to be. And all I had to do was remember what that was supposed to be for whenever I got audited. And then 
come up with it. You know. Okay. I, I was irritated okay. that I was irritated that he didn't see that because like whenever I was ready to be done with it, I was like, I just thought of this thing and I would say it and he'd be like, call the soup over and like, okay, check. She got the EP or yep. whatever. Yeah, no, that's um, right. And they call it an end for people who are really wondering what the hell we're talking about right now. End <laughs> phenomena or EP is the end result that you're looking for in a Scientology auditing process or a Dianetics auditing process. And there are different EPs, different kinds of auditing will give you different end results, but you have to keep doing the auditing until you hit that process's end result or end phenomena, the things that will happen at the end. Mm -hmm. uh, and these things usually consist of four generalized ideas or statements or things that are going to happen. You're going to say something that's going to be this, oh, new realization about life. Um, you're going to feel very good. You're going to have what's called very good indicators. Yeah, I forgot about those. <laughs> I feel so good. And um, because it's a very, very different experience when you're saying, oh, wow, I didn't know that about myself. <laughs> you know, versus, oh, my God, I didn't know that about myself. Wow. Right. Like that's very good indicators versus the very bad indicators of you're sitting there in tears. Mm -hmm. uh, so part of the end result or a part of the EP is very good indicators. And on an E-meter, the, the needle is supposed to be swinging in a particular way. It's called a floating needle. And mm -hmm. you're supposed to have what's called a release, this 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 weight off of your chest or, or shoulders or head, so to speak, of, of mental charge is supposed to be gone because you've done this auditing. So, yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's 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 right there. Whenever like it took, I don't think he realized it was there, and he would get tired of doing the auditing too. Um, and I just wanted to be like, this is. <laughs> but you're not supposed to fake it till yeah. you make it. You're supposed to make it. So I you're guess, supposed yeah. to persist, right? I mean, this you're right. The auditing's boring as hell. It's um. Did you? If I said it's transinduction, does that would, would that statement would that be something you would agree with, or or what do you think? I need that. Uh, I got an mu there. Oh, I gave you a misunderstood. <laughs> so trance, right, is a semi-conscious. You know, if if consciousness or awareness of present time situations and and your current environment is a is a spectrum where you can be lost in space, lost in your head, thinking your thoughts, dreaming, let's say even totally involved in it all the way to you know you are in the moment completely mindful right now in the here and now right right yeah so trance is where the awareness of the outside environment or what's going on around you is lessened your your attention it's very very focused on you know a very small or very particular very specific thing um, you know, kids watching TV go into trance states, kids playing video games, anybody playing video games, you know, people watching mm -hmm. movies go into trance states. Um, hypnotism is a more, you know, is a little bit deeper than that. Yeah. But, um, but trance induction, induction would be a process, any process that can induce a trance state. So that's what I mean by that. 
I see. Okay, yeah. I was I was hearing the those two words as like one word together, but I oh. I, I see what you're yeah. Trans but, um, induction. Yeah. Um, I would say definitely because I even I like had probably about three moments in uh, objective auditing where I just went somewhere else and um, kind of like I was like I would wake up like I was like had just taken a nap or fallen asleep and just wake up first and it was very strange Um, and that happened like three times yeah yeah that's Um, that's deep transinduction right there or or deeper than usual when you pat when you're passing out when you feel like you're waking up yeah definitely Um, definitely so (laughs) and it's it's funny because the training that we do like with the hqs um, the training for how to do the auditing comes before the actual auditing. Um, and so um, one of the things that you're trained on to do is if the uh, person that you're um, auditing is not following your command, you can physically move them to do it. That's right. And um, so we, we had been drilled on that a bunch for like hours and hours. And um, whenever it came time, uh, one of the times that we were doing auditing, I was the the pre-clear. I was getting audited. Um, we were doing the go back, like look at that wall, walk over that wall, touch that wall, turn around, yada, yada, yada. So I'm doing that several times in a row. And something, I just sort of like go out, like I'm just like not there. And um, I feel like my twin, like, grab my shoulders and start moving me. And I was like, it like brought me back. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. It was just a very, it, it, the first time it happened, it was very, it was kind of disturbing. Cause I was, I didn't quite know the people around me very well. So like my twin was the only person that wasn't a Scientologist. And like, that was the only moment where I like was scared of Scientology is because I was like, Oh, my wits were like, not about me at that time. And I'm like in a cult. That's right. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Your situational awareness was suddenly, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um yeah. that's that's a thing. That's that's a thing. And mm-hmm. the and the problem, one of the one of the problems with transinduction is that you are in a more suggestible state. Mm-hmm. Right? Because the things that are being said to you, the things that you are perceiving, either visually, audibly, smelling, all of it. All your perceptions um, are, it's kind of going in a bit subconsciously. You're not mm. necessarily aware of all the things that are being said to you or that are being done to you. And, um, and that, yeah, and that can be scary. And like you said, if you're in the middle of a cult situation, yeah. you know, these yeah. are not people who, you know, they believe that they have your best interests at heart. Don't get me wrong. Mm. I'm not saying this is a nefarious bunch of, you know, uh, 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 of shady characters. They're regular people. But the system that they are part of is a high control authoritarian system. It is a snitch yep. culture. It is an you know there's it is a high control group. So do you trust this group, even if all the people are great, right? Can you really trust what this group is about and mm-hmm. its policies and directives and what it's doing to you? And the, and they of course the answer to that question on my channel is hell no. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, I, I never felt like unsafe. Like I always felt like, you know, this is, it's a cult, but it's sort of established. And if I'm not 
buying into it, I'm not, um, I'm not in danger of letting them do something to me that's not okay, which I don't think they would do anyway. But then in that moment, whenever I was like, sort of went out of like consciousness, that's whenever I was like, oh, wow, okay. Like I am in a room with a bunch of people who most would consider cult members. And that for a second for me, I was like, okay, that actually is a little scary. I maybe should like pay more attention to what's going on. Excellent. Well, I, I, I believe that that was a moment of good insight. Cause yeah, thank you. Well, seriously, because, um, because people might listen to this or hear about other people who have gone undercover and it's happened that mm. people have snuck into the sea org and people have snuck into Scientology and brought cameras and done things. And, and it always ended up that they get caught. There's, mm. you know, there's not, there is no end end scenario there where they successfully make it all the way to Miscavige's inner circle and <laughs> and blow the whistle on it all, you know, because we're yeah. talking about years of deep cover in order to make something mm. like that happen. Um, so, you know, so this 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 auditing stuff um, at the level you were doing it at right in a public course mm. room with a twin, you know, it's just very lightweight sort of auditing. You are already experiencing trance induction and, you know, moments of being out of it. Yeah. Well, all I can say is as you continue doing auditing up the bridge, um, that only continues and, in fact, increases in severity. Yeah, I can. I like I I was curious about like how deep that goes, because um I would not call what I went through light, but like on the scale of what's on offer, it is. So um, I think the fact that like you're both getting this auditing and then there are people calling you and checking in on you. Like I would have Sea Org members call me and see how the auditing was going, you know? And so there's this constant like, you know, what is this doing for you? Like, where is it going? Like, and the, there's this, um, it's like a, there's like a Cyclops eye on you at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, That's right. Yeah. The eye of Sauron. Yeah. <laughs> no, no it, it's, it's called a case supervisor, actually, because yeah. uh, there is somebody overseeing your auditing who is not your auditor. It's not a random thing, what you're doing in Scientology with the auditing. And I've done whole podcasts on that. We won't repeat all that here. Um Hey, everyone. You know, they say that knowledge is power and knowing is half the battle. And you know what? I agree. And thanks to the Great Courses Plus, we get to tap into that power with just a click. With this streaming service, you unlock unlimited access to objective, reliable, and very interesting information on virtually any subject, learning from the brightest minds around the world. You benefit from their years of experience and unique insight to help formulate our own knowledge and perspectives. With over 40,000 five-star reviews on The Great Courses Plus, you truly can master so many skills and subjects. I've said it before, and I'm recommending again, that in these times of political and social upheaval, one of the best courses you can do right now is called Fighting Misinformation, Digital Media Literacy. We are being bludgeoned with data right now, and it's really important you know how to discern fact 
from fiction. Tap into this power of knowledge. Join me and thousands of other learners and sign up for The Great Courses Plus. And my listeners can check out any course or lecture for free today. That's free access to the entire library. Don't wait any longer. Sign up today using my special URL, thegreatcoursesplus.com slash critical. That's thegreatcoursesplus.com slash critical. Interested in, okay, so so you had a few of these sessions. You did this objective auditing. You did recall auditing. You did Dianetics auditing where you're supposedly going back and erasing this crap completely. Um, so what's your takeaway from all of these different you know, it, sure, lower level, but still valid and absolutely real Scientology experiences. It's not, it wasn't Scientology light. You did the real thing. So, you know, so let's not, let's not, you know, while it might be uh, that some of it was on training wheels, it's still riding a bike. Right. <laughs> you know, you're still getting down the road. So, um, so with enough of those stupid analogies, what's your takeaway from it all as far as your auditing, as far as think what you think about auditing? Um, I mean, I don't know. I've heard people say that they have gotten some good things out of it. Mm -hmm. For me, it was, uh, sometimes it was fun. Like whenever there was like some jokey, like interactions there were, you know, we would have like, there was, there were parts of it that were fun because the personalities that I was interacting with the, um, soup um was the kid from ut and then the um you know there's some other people in there and plus my twin like we we goofed around a little bit and it was kind of fun um but for the most part it was uh boring as hell and i felt like i didn't get i mean i didn't get anything out of it um like even the even the um i took the what is it called? The communication course, the TRs or whatever. Yeah. And uh, you did the, a, you did the introduct the 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 basic courses, communications courses, success through communications course. Yeah. Okay, cool. So that's that's twenty one drills or exercises that you do with another person, all centered around the subject of communication and learning how to communicate with that person both talking to them and hearing them and and dealing with, mm-hmm. you know, handling things they say. So just to let the audience know what we're talking about here. So Cool. Yeah. yeah. So I, I took that before I took the HQS and um, I did that one with a Scientologist and he was telling me about all about how his son took it and it like helped him. And meanwhile, like I knew someone that had dated his son and she was like, oh, he's old. He's fucked up. But like... <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Um, like they, there was this whole, this is like, I'm not going to go on this tangent all the way, but like they tried to like kidnap her and get her into the org like twice. And then she was like, see ya. Wow. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. So his son like had taken it and uh, he was talking about how it helped him talk to girls or whatever. And, um, I took it with him and, um, I remember I, I was in therapy at the time and I was talking to my therapist about this, like my impressions on it. And she was like, <sighs> she, was, <laughs> she was like, honestly, like that, that it, it's such a, um, 
I can't remember exactly what she said about it, but it was like, it's a manipulative way of approaching communication Mm -hmm. because you're approaching it as in like, you're trying to present yourself in a way that will get you what you want and not really trying to like, just be yourself. Correct. Yeah. And um, so I don't think that that is necessarily helpful communication wise. And maybe it is for some people if it like, gets them to think that they now have more confidence and then they're able to go forward. Like some of this is placebo effect. Um, I think the auditing, um, it gives you the idea that like you're doing something to improve your life. And therefore, like if you're doing that, then you might actually feel better for a while. I feel like that's mm-hmm. possibly true. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you're picking yourself up by your bootstraps all the time in Scientology. Mm-hmm. You're right. I was always mustering my intention. Mm. You know, okay, yeah. here we go. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to get I'm gonna gear up for this. Right? I'm going to be tone 40 now. Yeah. Mm, right? I'm going to positive yeah. postulate this thing, right? I'm going to make this happen. Mm-hmm. And and it's really just kind of, you know, <laughs> psyching yourself up. Yeah. I was doing that constantly. And yeah. Um, and I thought of it as pushing my bank away, mm. right? I'm pushing my case away. Ah, you know, I got to be the Phaeton here. I got to be the, I got to be the one in charge, right? I got to be the the big man. So mm-hmm. that was, that was how I, that was how my, 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 uh, cognitive dissonance has sort of dealt with the, the, the problems of life. Yeah. And that's what you're describing about yourself is what I saw a lot of people doing with themselves. And that's one of the things that was very difficult for me to witness and that I have come away with like a little bit scarred by because it upset me to see people doing that to themselves because I would see like with Ben, I would see like um, that he was really tired all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, It's exhausting. Yeah. He's a young guy. He's 23. Um, and I remember at my age at 23, like how much fun I was having. And like, I was doing, I was dating, I was doing all kinds of things. I was just, it was a, like a, one of the greatest, greatest times of my life. And I saw this person who was that same age, just on this hamster wheel. And then I would see, like, I would catch like glimpses of him, like, uh, struggling with it and then putting on like a brave face about it. And like, I was able to see that, like, it was just very obvious to me. And it just was extremely upsetting because I was like, you're not supposed to be having to go through this right now. You, there's so much about life that you could be experiencing right now. And, you know, I can't tell anyone how to live their lives, but like, I know that like, this is not the best situation for you. No, it's really sad. And you, you would literally, you know, probably be, uh, could have said the exact same things to me mm-hmm. when I was 23, bouncing around in Santa Barbara, same way he's bouncing yeah. around in Austin, you know, just living this kind of pathetic life and thinking they're saving the world, you know, making a big dent, really making a yeah. difference. Well, he, w- he was coming up on uh, re-signing his staff contract, and I was trying so hard to get him not to. Wow. And um, the thing is that he uh, he was, like, prime candidate for Sea Org, but um, he had a relative who was, like, in a in uh, in the FBI. So oh. Could, yeah. Yeah. So I'm surprised so. they got him on staff with that. 
<laughs> Actually, it's kind of well, good old Kathy, you know. Yeah. Well, she she checked it out, I'm sure. Yeah, took one for the team. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Uh, okay, interesting, interesting. So then you said something earlier that I must pursue, which was how was it that you're on course? You're this lowly new Scientology person coming up the line in this, you know, pathetically small org how many how like on the biggest night or biggest day how many people were on course with you Hmm. what was a big day in the course room no more than 25 people no more than that yeah including in in the in the um the study room and the um whatever the other thing is called the other thing the like the two different rooms, the one where you study the book. Oh, and the, the theory and the practical. Yeah. 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 Between both course rooms. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. It's all one classroom. They divide their course rooms into people who are reading, and that's more of a library kind of situation versus the practical where people are practicing what they're going to do with auditing, and that's a loud course room. Mm-hmm. Um, was there were there one soup going back and forth, or was it two supervisors? One I think there's two soups. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah pretty small place. Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. So how was it that you're in that situation and you're being contacted by the Sea Org? Because you're in Austin. There's no Sea Org. Are there any Sea Org members in the org? No. Uh, the, later on, some came to visit while they were, like, getting their ideal org stuff together. Okay. Um, but uh, I didn't see a Sea Org member actually at the org until probably like 10 months in. Okay. So yeah. how were they contacting you? Because that means they were calling you from where? L.A. or Flag? or? I was getting calls from L.A. and Flag. Wow. Um, how did they yeah. get your name and what were they calling you about? Um, so the first person that called me was, um, uh, you know him, uh, Tim um, Burke. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Was he running the call center? I guess so. I think he was calling me from LA. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was. He was posted in the call center out there. Yeah. So he was calling me um, a lot, and he was the first person to call me. Really? Um, and how did he introduce himself? What did he? How did he describe himself as a Sea Org member to you? This was a new thing for you at that moment, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like I just. I don't know what happened exactly. Um, but, uh, I mean, maybe it, it might help to explain that um, at one point, I'd never told you this, I don't think. Mm. At one point, I joined staff. I don't for, think like, you, no, you did not tell me that. Okay. Okay, this was, it, I was on it for like a day. Okay. But, um, so, they might have gotten a lead from that, uh, someone that was more serious or something. Okay. And that's why they were calling me. Was he calling you about sales or about the Sea Org? He was calling me, let's see. I think he was trying to sell me stuff. Yeah, that makes makes more sense to me that he would be doing that. Yeah. Interesting. So, okay, so you're this up-and-comer in Austin. He gets your name. He starts Mm -hmm. calling you. Yeah, and uh, at first he just wanted to know how the auditing was going. Um, And he would contact me. He would call me quite a bit. Um, and chat me up about the auditing. Um, and then he started introducing, I think, things that he wanted to sell. Although for some reason right now, I can't remember what he was trying to sell me. 
It doesn't matter. He was just trying yeah. to sell you books or lectures. Yeah. Yeah. Was it, and was it books and, well, let me ask you this. Was it books and lectures or was it services? It might have been services. Really? Yeah, because the 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 other major Sea Org person that I ended up talking to was um, uh, I'm going to call her Sarah because she's uh, I don't know if she would get in trouble or sure. anything, but um, uh, she started calling me because she wanted to sell me the books. But then once once she sold me the books, which I actually didn't pay for, they she got someone else to pay for them. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. She got, I mean, at that point, like she was trying to get a yes out of me so bad that like she got someone else to pay for it and she just had to get me to say, sure, they can pay for it. Sure, they can pay and ship me the books. Yeah. Was, yeah. Was, was she the one at Flag? Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. So, okay, so you got Tim calling you from LA. You got Sarah calling you from Flag, mm-hmm. trying to sell you stuff while you're doing your services in Austin. Did it ever come up like... Did the did the Austin ever have anything to say about that? Wouldn't they have wanted to sell you those those things? I don't even I don't even know if they knew that they were calling me because like I didn't have an occasion to like bring it up. Huh. Like, huh. I, yeah, I didn't have. I, I don't think there was a reason like why I would say, oh yeah, like Tim called me or like Sea Org people are calling me. Like it just didn't come up. Okay. Okay. So I don't know if they even knew that that was happening. Well, were they trying to sell you books and stuff at the same time? <laughs> or were they so, oh, we're just happy to have you on service right now. We're going to leave you alone for a little while. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe they were leaving me alone. They, I mean, they were trying to sell me on like student hat and stuff like that. Right, and, right. Um, but uh, yeah, they, they, I, they mentioned um, buying the books, but they weren't pushing it real hard. Um, so it was, it was. LA and flag that were really pushing hard for these certain things. I think Tim actually might've been trying to get me to join IAS. Oh, Which, okay. Yeah. He was trying to get donations for the IAS. So he was he, first, the first thing they're going to do international association of Scientologists. It's the membership organization for Scientology. And yeah. there are levels of status that you pay for. And mm-hmm. so after you've gotten your initial lifetime membership, uh, what is it? 2000, 5,000, I, I think no I, I think it's five thousand now. It used to be two thousand. And once you have your lifetime, then everything is gravy on top of that, and you are earning status. Can mm-hmm. they have these, you know, patrons of the IAS and and all kinds of other fun titles, getting up to like platinum gloratorius or patron <laughs> of, of the honors of the universe or something? I mean, it's yeah. They have these trophies that are literally like seven feet tall that they give to people who've given them like a million dollars, and yeah. and there are. Far too many people have given Scientology a million dollars. It's pretty. It's pretty scary, actually. Yeah. So okay. So he's trying to get you. He's trying to game you for that, and then then trying mm-hmm. to sell you stuff. All right. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Interesting that it didn't take that long. It took years before I found out what the Sea Org was, or was um, contacted by a Sea Org member, except for the Sea Org members who were in the Santa Barbara church. There were a couple who were there running the place. But that okay. was the only Sea Org that were around. They weren't mm-hmm. salespeople. They were staff at the org. So they had their jobs to do. They weren't talking to mm-hmm. me. I was just another guy on course. Yeah, I was I was a little bit surprised that they contacted me, but I was like kind of excited because I was like, oh, like people from like big big boy Scientology are like yeah. talking to me, you know. Yeah, no, it's um, definitely that's the core, man. Yeah. You you're getting Yeah, the spider was reaching out to you from the yeah. center of the web. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so 
Interesting. Did you ever, did you, in your conversations with either of those people, did you ever bring up some of the stuff that you were bringing up to the staff as far as throwing some sharp and pointed questions their direction about Hubbard or Scientology or anything? Uh, with Tim, I, I didn't. Um, with Sarah, because uh, after she sold me the books, um, I continued to talk with her. She would call me and uh, I wouldn't, I didn't know like why we were talking. Cause I was like, you sold me the books already, you know? So like I started doing the same thing I did with Ben where like, I was just kind of like shooting the shit with this person. And then um, I would start to like say, um, I think I was, I actually asked you like, what, what should I do? Like mm. this person, this person is like talking to me and like, I don't even understand why. But like, should I like keep talking to them? Should I like try to say something to them? And you were like, go for it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yep. So I, uh, I think your suggestion was to just like get them to talk about their life outside of Scientology. And um, so I ended up having sort of like a, a longer conversations with this person about like what they did. Like, uh, I think they joined the Sea Org like when they were 17. And uh, yeah, it's just crazy. And I, uh, so, but I was like asking them like, well, what did you want to do before you joined the Sea Org? And like um, getting them to talk about that kind of thing. Um, I didn't really talk about my uh, doubts about Scientology until mm -hmm. our last conversation. And that was the last time I ever spoke to that person. Right. Mm -hmm. And that was sort of your Hail Mary because it appeared at that point that um, that there was going to be a severing of the of the line anyway yeah she she called me after i hadn't been in contact with people for like a couple of months or more mm -hmm. and she wanted to talk about i don't know if they sent her to do that because they knew that we had a like a correspondence or like what it that could was. have been completely but, random that's the weird thing about it. it's hard to tell yeah you know in terms of what they were trying to do. Was it a group coordinated mm -hmm. effort or, cause these guys just call it like you've already experienced Tim's calling you from LA. Nobody at Austin knows, mm -hmm. you know, she's calling you from flag. Nobody in Austin knows like what's, mm -hmm. you know, so, it, so there can be random coincidences in this world as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they, they, uh, the people that were, were trying to recruit me for the Sea Org, which is eventually another group that was calling me, they didn't know I was in ethics trouble. Right. So, <laughs> right. And the recruiters um, often don't until the last second because they're sitting there trying to recruit you. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so now let's talk about the ethics trouble. What does that mean? What do you mean you got an ethics trouble? What happened? Uh, okay. So my like previous experience of ethics was like being late for course or mm -hmm. whatever. They'd send you down with your twin and give you a little, you know, <laughs> slap the wrist. <laughs> read the policy, you know, whatever. There was one time actually that um, my twin was late and I went down there with him and, um, you know, he's new, he's new to Scientology, which I could never figure out what he was doing there either. But um, they asked him why he was late. And he said that he'd gotten into a fight with his wife about, uh, about coming there that day. And they were like, you know, very upset, you know, just like, Oh no, friction. The wife is maybe gonna, you know, whatever. And so, like, there was the 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 ethics officer was um, very not so delicately 
throwing out the possibility that he could maybe never talk to his wife ever again if it went that far. And I started like, I had to stifle my laughter because I was like, oh my God, this is so fucking blatant, you know? And like, it was, wow. it was like sort of inappropriate laughter because this is a very serious thing, but it was just like, I couldn't fucking believe it. Yeah, right um, there in front of you. There it is, yeah. being played out. I mean, we talk about it, you hear the you know, the stories about it, but then when you're sitting in the room listening to this person who has this authority of ethics, mm -hmm. you know, they're wearing a uniform or they're wearing a nice suit and they got a they got a desk plate and a post title and they're very serious and they have this desk and you're in their office and they're going to tell you what's what. Yeah. It, it makes it a bit more real, you know. Yeah, and just like casually floating the idea that like you could sever a tie with someone so close to you in your life. Um, it's just, it's very surreal. And that that was not the only time that something like that happened. And so disconnection is like, when they say it's not a thing, they're full of fucking shit because it's like constant. It's a constant reality. Wow. But um, anyway, the, the ethics trouble that I really got into um, was... Uh, uh, it actually involves you a little bit because I was um, I was out uh, like at a bar and um, I had like had I was like tipsy and so I like was walking home walking past the org I see that there's people in there so I go in and at that time um, some uh, people that were really hardcore Sea Sea Org members were there um, and I. Uh, everyone went outside to smoke except for me and one of the uh, Sea Org members and I was chatting with her and at the time I had <clears throat> I had overheard somebody else talking about the RPF and that was the first time I realized that people knew about the RPF like local people knew about it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so that kind of pissed me off because I was like kind of operating under the assumption that people didn't know that it existed mm. And so whenever I knew that all these people that I thought are basically good people know about this, I was like, what the fuck, guys? Like, I, I know I shouldn't be surprised at this point, but it was very much like, uh, so I had thrown some questions around the org about that and they cleared it up for me or whatever. Uh, but when I, I was like having this conversation with this, uh, the Sea Org person, um, I said something about the RPF and, um, I said like, oh, but they cleared it up for me. But like, uh, so and so, um, oh, what something something came up where she mentioned someone that was a, a a member at the org that was on the RPF with her for five years, and that they that she like brought him back from the brink or whatever. And I was like, oh, hmm, did you know Chris Shelton? And she was like, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> now she wants to know how do you know chris shelton <laughs> right. i'll bet that was the last name she expected to be dropped in the org lobby that day <laughs> yeah and so i was just like uh she was like yeah i knew him and um I have this written, I have this whole story written down somewhere, but uh, I was like, at that point, I was like, well, fuck it. I've already dropped Chris's name. I might as well reach out and say, like, 
you can leave if you want to. Cause I was at, I think at that point I was just kind of like, man, fuck all this. Like this is so stupid. Um, so I said, you know, like if you want, like, I, like you don't have to stay in the sea org. There's people that have left, um, you know, and she was like, she was just like, why would I want to do that? Like, right. and just completely cut me off. And so, um, the next time I saw someone in the org, it was the foundation ED. Um, she pulled me aside and she wanted to know what the fuck was I talking about? <laughs> and, uh, she wanted to know like how I knew you. Mm-hmm. And, um, at the time I didn't know that, she, that, uh, uh, her name was Manuela. Uh, I didn't know that she had um, uh, not told uh, the ED that I mentioned also that she could leave. She didn't say that part. Mm-hmm. She just said that I mentioned your name. Mm-hmm. And so I let it slip that I said that. And then she was like, wait, you said what? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I, I, I don't know. And so it was just it was a very like I couldn't like I couldn't explain myself in that moment. It was just like. Pfft. But like I did say that I knew you because um, you were like a liberal blogger, and I like had found you through that. Huh. Okay. And so yeah, so I was like, well, because I'm a liberal, you know us liberals, and <laughs> so I I kind of got away with that for a while, but their like radar was like, oh, oh yeah, at that point. oh yeah, you know? no, I'm I'm not, I am definitely persona non grata in the world of Scientology. Yeah. Yeah, my um, name is Mud. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. So basically they were like, don't ever like watch his videos. Don't ever talk to him, whatever. And I was like, okay, fine. Um, so that kind of went by, but I was still kind of like, now I was like suspect, like really suspect. Um, and so I think it was like a week later. Or so like all this is very jumbled together, but they had this massive fundraiser and I was kind of in the clear Although I think they were like, uh, maybe you should come in and have an ethics handling like before you get back on course or whatever. But like I, I could still go to the fundraiser. Yep. And so they had this big fundraiser because they had uh, only three million more dollars that they had to raise. <laughs> <laughs> and it was supposed to be their last fundraiser. Um, and so they have it at this hotel. And so I go to it and, uh, you know, I... Uh, it's just craziness. Like I'm used to this environment at this point, but like my friend Jeff came to pick me up and they wouldn't let him in because it would be out reality for him. Mm -hmm. And I was like, actually you're kind of right because like I can like sort of withstand how fucking weird this all is, but it's because I've been around it. But like whenever you're in the room with like people that are like, (laughs) they're like screaming and like people are like $500,000 and like, where the fuck are you even getting this money? Like, it's so bizarre. And like, it's just this rally of like money. Like, have you ever seen Hereditary? I have not. The horror movie? Yeah. No, no, I, I have not. Okay. Well, there's. But there's I have this... been in many fundraisers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> it's pretty bad. Yeah. There's, there's a scene in Hereditary where she they there's this picture of this woman that's in a cult and it's this like kind of they they worship this demon and she's getting doll, like silver dollars or whatever like poured on her 
And it's like, you know, whatever, it looks super creepy. And that's what being in a fundraiser is like. It's just this orgy of money and like, it's so creepy. Yep. And I actually was at this other event where they did actually, sh- this woman like threw out a hundred grand worth of dollar bills and we threw it all around. Yep. It's so creepy, like yep. objectively. It is. Um, but uh, it's, it's, so- it's, it's, and it, I have to, I have to, because this just kind of organically came up, I have to take this moment to comment on this, that, that, (laughs) it's the, the fundraisers and sitting in the sales offices, the registrar's office, when you're getting sold, actually sold Scientology, those are, those are the beating heart of Scientology. Those, those mm-hmm. moments, those places and times are the core of what it's all about. Yeah. It's about extracting those Benjamins from people. And they mm-hmm. play it up with music and dancing and lights and imagery and, and cake and food and, and fun and frivolousness. And isn't it all so exciting but it it, that's it, just that, that's just smoke screens. It's just they're just trying to take your wallet out of your pocket, mm-hmm. take every dime you've got, and give your wallet back. Go make more and come mm-hmm. back. You yeah, know? And, and all that all that activity, like I, on a certain level, they know it looks crazy because they wouldn't let my friend Jeff in. That's right. Because that's it's right. So <laughs> manic. It's, it's out. Yeah. Reality is the code word yeah. for that. That's the yeah. acceptable thought-stopping cliche almost for mm-hmm. no what we're doing is absolutely madhouse nuts yeah and we can't let anybody see this and 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 folks out there i mean if you go to tony ortega's blog you can find videos that he's posted over the years of some of these fundraisers and they mm-hmm. are absolutely mind-blowing they're just they're so they're they're and being in the room there's just no yeah. other experience quite like it. <laughs> it's, 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 I mean, that was the night that everything blew up for me because it was so fucking like, oh. So that was um, it. That was the thing that pushed you over the edge. Yeah, kind of. I mean, I stayed in for another like four or five months after that, but I was really kind of out. Yeah, mentally um, you were clocked out. Yeah, and, and after that night, I was under like, I wasn't allowed at certain things because I was, not allowed on course anymore. And um, because what happened is uh, after that fundraiser, Jeff had come to pick me up, but I decided to stay because they were having an after party where they were actually drinking in someone's room. And I was like, I want to be like, no one ever drinks. So I was like the one opportunity for people to like relax. Yeah. Good point. Let me like, like go to this. Right. Maybe a fly on the wall. What did, how did that go? I mean, people barely, (laughs) did anything i mean right they didn't really open up that much yeah um so but uh ben gave me a ride home after that and um i was feeling very like uncomfortable with everything at that point Mm. because of all the things that i've mentioned um and another factor was at the time um lori who you got me in contact with had Mm -hmm. been talking to me Mm -hmm. and it hurt because her kids were uh on uh on they were involved with the austin org they lived in austin Mm -hmm. and the church had brutally like separated them 
And so I was dealing with that too, because that was very like emotional for me. It was very difficult to like be around people knowing that they were part of that. And um, so that night I, I told Ben, I was like, you know, I just don't know if I want to do this anymore. Uh, like I, I still want to be friends with you, but like this, I don't think I want to do. And um, he was actually pretty upset. Uh, and so he was like, did you ever really even give a shit about this? And I was like, well, I mean, I got to tell you, like, there's all these things that like are bad that I'm hearing about that are just, you know, and I started to explain the thing with Lori and he just shut me down and like, it was, it was, it was like an argument. Like it was the first time that like I had presented something to him of a doubt that it turned into like a contentious mm, thing. Mm-hmm. Um, something actually did, got through the, some of that thought fortress and got inside and he didn't like that one little bit. Yeah. He was, he was pissed. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I got out of the car and like, you know, the next day I was supposed to talk with, um, one of the, um, one of the ladies in the front office, like we had something set up. I can't remember what it was. But um, I called her because I noticed like a charge on my credit card that was like associated with the IAS and I hadn't like approved it or something. Mm -hmm. And so I called and I was going to talk to her about that and about our meeting that we were supposed to have. And the first thing that she said was, what the hell? And I was like, what? And she was like, Ben told me that you want to quit Scientology. And I was just like, oh, well... I mean, I kind of, that was kind of an inconfidence conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but no such thing in the world of Scientology as you learned. Right. Yeah. But at that point, I, you know, like we, me and Ben had had so many conversations that I knew he hadn't passed along. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause if he had passed them along, I'd been, I would have been in trouble a lot earlier. Oh, but, no doubt. But you pushed yeah. his buttons at that point. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so that was passed along. And it was actually at that point, it was only when I said, I want to leave that they were like, hammer down. Like I had name dropped you and they were still like, kind of okay with it. And like, still you're in. But whenever I said, I want to leave, it was like, yep. that like over. Um, so at that point they like moved, they were, uh, they were moving all their, their stuff out of the org because they needed to be, be in a temporary space to start the construction of the ideal org. Yep. Um, and I started like not being able to get a hold of them because um, I was supposedly supposed to do these ethics handlings, but like I kept getting brushed off. Um, yeah, they must so- have just decided somehow internally. And this is the sort of thing that usually happens because somebody like the ED... <laughs> gets really pissed at you. Mm-hmm. And that attitude just filters down to everybody else. And they're like, okay, fuck her. Uh, well, she wants yeah. to leave. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And uh, the, the, like, all the Facebook friends that I had from Scientology had unfriended me or yeah. blocked me. And I was like, damn, this is, it's like happening. Like, oh, so yeah. Boom. They're so that, like done. Yeah. They did the full disconnect thing. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, but that's that really wasn't the end of it. This it like that this whole ethics thing get got dragged out for so long because at the same time the Sea Org had started contacting me and they were trying to get me in and that process took like quite a while. And so I was still handling things with the org. They ignored me for a long time. 
but I was in this position where like I didn't want to be disconnected from. So I was like trying to decide like, am I going to even do anything with this in the future or should I get this handled and then not go back on course, but still be able to like be friends with or not disconnected from certain people. That's right. And Um, that's a, that's a tightrope walk. You are not, you are far from the only person who's have, who's felt that way or had to deal with that situation or ask themselves that question. mm. This is, this is when people start reaching out to me sometimes. Okay. What should I do? You know, how do I do this? I I don't want to be disconnected from, I don't like this, but at the same time, this group bothers me. You know, I don't know Mm -hmm. what to do about this, right? How do I get myself extricated from this situation without losing my friends? And, and that's the whole, that's the hammer that is always over your head as a Scientologist is that threat that, that, that you're feeling right there. And, Mm -hmm. and I need to capitulate, I need to make up, I need to propitiate to the church and get back in their good graces. So they will allow me to have these social connections again. It's, it's, it's real. I mean, you're right in the heart of the problem right there with these groups. Yeah, I think um, I didn't I, like I don't want to like come on. I didn't like I was like, I don't want to come on and tell like a sob story because like I did this all like voluntarily, you know, and I, oh, was, yeah. like, I, I knew what disconnection was and stuff. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, this period that I'm talking about was it's very like it was very difficult. Like it was it's still bothers me to this day because it's just I mean, it's an awful, awful experience. Like I had other friends like outside of Scientology that are like deep friends of mine that like, you know, it's, it's not like these were my only friends, but like, still, it was just so upsetting to know that like, this is it. This is the end. I'm never going to speak to these people ever again. And especially like Ben, like that was just very, very sad. It is. It very much is. And contrast that, you know, I'm only I'm using this to highlight, you know, some points about these groups and why they we call them destructive cults. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these aren't euphemisms. These aren't like yeah. things we say because we don't have any other words to use. And I want to highlight this point because I one I think it's important, and two, um, you know, it's it's you went into this. With a foregone conclusion, knowing it was bad, you're going to go in, you're going to see what it's all about, you're going to get involved, you're going to do this stuff. You paid $500 plus. I mean, you definitely were interested in finding out what this was about. Yeah. But you had prepped yourself and knew going in beforehand that there was potentially awful here. And sure enough, along the line, you encountered that awful. Mm -hmm. And yet, knowing all that, you still made these human connections with people, cared about them, and it really, really bothered you to be disconnected from. And the whole time that you're doing all of that, all of these people, you come into their life, you leave their life, they collectively shrug. Mm-hmm. No yeah, real I mean, connection there, you know, except for this one guy or a couple, you know, smaller connections you had along the way, but not really the same level it's not same same you Mm -hmm. know and i find that fascinating because they'll say you're the faker you're the one who went in under false pretenses and but you're more upset about leaving than they are (laughs) you know and i want to highlight that because i think it speaks to your humanity and their lack of it because of the because of the cult indoctrination 
Yeah, I think I, I think they have humanity, but I think they're trained to ignore it. So well, then and for all sakes, yeah. <laughs> then for all intents and purposes, do they have it? You know. Yeah. And I'm not trying to be. I'm not. Again, I'm not trying to be overly cruel or hyperbolic here. Of course, they're human beings too, and of course, they have feelings. But that mm-hmm. cult indoctrination is strong. You know, yeah. and they're not shedding any tears over you right now. And I just, <laughs> I, I, I guarantee you, I mean, I, yeah. you know, you've been in that world. I, I've been in that world. You know what that world's like. And it's not a, it's yeah. not a world where they sit around, you know, talking about how they got it wrong. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, one of the guys on staff blew at some point and like, he was gone for like a couple of months before I even noticed that he wasn't around. And I was like, oh, what happened to him? And Ben was just like, oh yeah, he blew. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's what happens in that world. Yeah. People come and go, come and go, yeah. come and go. And, and you know, you want them to be hardcore. You want them, you know, this is why they sort of coddle you along at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Try to not hard sell you too hard. Try not to blow mm-hmm. you out of the water. But they all know what's coming. Yeah. You yeah, know? for sure. Um, I would say that uh, I, I don't think that anyone... Um, was really that personally affected by me leaving except for maybe that one guy. Yeah. Um, I think that was the only one. I think if that connection hadn't have been there, um, I would be maybe a little more like a little less sad. Um, uh, but that was, you know, that was a real thing. So, yeah, for sure. Um, and then oh, there were these other smaller ones, but I don't think that like those people give a shit really. Well, so. uh, yeah. Uh, and they would say they don't. And I will say, um, I think you did a great job of seed planting everywhere you went. <laughs> yeah. I, seriously. And I, and yeah. I want to, because after everything I just said about all these people, they're not affected, rah, rah, rah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, fine. True enough. Yet at the same time, the real, real situation is that you went in there and you, you know, they're actually upset with you because you got past their you know, you yeah, were there, you were part of it, you know, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I believe that the that that uh, woman you were talking to at Flag also probably was a bit more affected than than you might know. So sometimes it's sometimes it's not obvious. And you and I am assuming maybe too much. I could be wrong about this, but I think your connections mattered with those people. And and I think yeah. long term that will matter. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the two guys that are brothers, uh, I, I could see them leaving, although one actually just opened up a school, a Scientology school in Austin. Uh, he ain't um, leaving anytime soon then. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but he he was smart. And like, I could always like, I always felt like he knew. Like, I would sit, like, he would uh, do the, um, what what is the thing after you do auditing and then you go in there and you're like. Oh, the examiner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like, you don't say anything to each other or you can say something if you want. Yep. But I would always like look at him and I'd be like. And he would like look at me back like that. And I was just like, you know, you know something like I feel like. OK, yeah. but um, yeah, I mean, those two guys, like uh, one of them I actually spoke to like a, a month ago, maybe because he was he still like would um, he was the one that was doing my ethics handling. And so maybe he's the only terminal that's allowed to talk to me. Yeah, could be. Uh, could be. Uh, he had mentioned he's like i i was i was asking him like what my status was there and uh he said that like 
I, this door was still open for me to come back if if I really wanted to, but he'd have to like ask around or whatever. Um, but he was like, just for the record, like I was kind of more on your side during that whole thing. And I was like, what are you talking? Like, he was like, yeah, there's just a bunch of stuff going on that had nothing to do with you, but that's why you were like, right. Didn't have whatever. And I don't know what the fuck he's talking about, but, um, Oh, he's probably talking about internal stuff. Either somebody, yeah. there was either some kind of a local situation. Somebody went out to D with somebody else, or there was the fundraising and the money. That's yeah. always huge, huge, huge pressure and pushes everything else off the desk. Um, or it could have been, you know, a thousand other emergencies that they generate inside their silly little organization. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So you just kind of became roadkill for Austin. <laughs> yeah. They, they sent someone out to talk to me that I sat down and had coffee with, like, after uh, it had been a couple of months after I hadn't t- contacted anyone. Really? And he, yeah. He was... His mission, and I could tell he was not a very good liar, um, his mission was basically to figure out if I was going to talk shit on the church. Okay. Like, yeah, because he wanted to sit down and, like, find out, like, how I felt about things. Like, he's he definitely didn't seem like he was there to get me back in. He seemed like he was there to figure out if I had a bad experience that I wanted to talk about. Interesting. Yeah. What? And this was a local Austin staff member? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It was the guy I did the communications course with. Oh, he had joined yeah. staff. Uh, or well, he had already wa- been on his, staff. Uh, he wasn't on staff, staff at the time of the communication course, but his wife was. And she went to uh, St. Hill to do some OT shit. And um, so he replaced her. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he comes out and that was the last contact officially with the church. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, clearly he didn't do his job too well because here we are talking. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, uh, this is not, this is already a foregone conclusion, my friend. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, y'all done screwed up. Yeah, y'all yeah. done fucked up. Yep. Going to be a yeah. little bit more negative marks for Kathy this week on her stats. <laughs> sorry, yeah. Kathy. Oops, sorry. Yeah, don't have that PR area control quite in as well as you'd like. Yeah, you let the, the fox into the hen house a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit, but uh, but funny, you know, they'll 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 take those statements and make this out to be some big, huge covert operation or something against the church, which it is definitely yeah. was not. It I was, mean, it's literally just me like being bored. Exactly, because uh, yeah, I don't so. I don't ever suggest that people do this, and in fact, I think I tried Please to talk don't. you out of it. Yeah, people really. If you're listening and you think that this is a good idea, it's not. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's a waste of time and money. Yeah. Um, you know, it just really is. I mean, unless you've got something very specific you're going in there to do. Mm-hmm. Um, in uh, you know, and here I'm talking to law enforcement. Yeah. Um, you know, please investigate. But, uh, but you know, if you just want to know what Scientology is all about, I mean, just go to their website. It's all there. And mm-hmm. then come to my website, and then I'll tell you about the real truth. But that's which yeah. is not there. You know, yeah. and because uh, I'm not, you know, because I don't put out that the things that Scientology is saying are are, are not true. They, they believe those things. Those are those that is Scientology. But mm-hmm. there is another layer to it behind that. And if you don't know about that layer and what's really going on, mm-hmm. you could believe the smoke and mirrors. 
And that's yeah. that's the problem, you know, and you got a bit of a taste of what's really going on with that group and it's not pretty. Yeah, no, it's it's not. And uh I just wanted to mention like the Sea Org recruitment was yeah. was gross. It was uh Oh, do tell. Inquiring minds want to know. What, <laughs> what how did they approach you? What did they talk to you about? Um so I uh, yeah, like I said, I don't think that they knew I was in ethics trouble. So they started con- this uh, this husband and wife team started contacting me about joining the Sea Org, mm. and uh, I was like, well, wow, okay. I didn't think that I'd be asked to do this. I am not a very trustworthy individual to you guys, um, but okay. So you're interested in, in getting me there. And so they were like, um, basically they wanted to offer to fly me down for free so that I could like get recruited. Like, um, they were like, you can come down, we'll pay for your flight. We'll pay for you to stay at, uh, Fort Harrison or whatever. So this was, this was flag recruiters calling you from Clearwater. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow. They would actually fly you to Clearwater. Was it, was it a two way trip? (laughs) (laughs) that was that was the thing i was like if they fly me down there i'm gonna have to find my way back that's right you're gonna be a captive (laughs) audience that's what that's called yeah yeah so but they were at the time uh they were very like the recruiter was like trying to scramble to get it all organized and he um he got me to agree to do this but he was like and i was like sweet i'm gonna get a free trip to florida and I think it was like around the same time that uh, Aaron was having his party. So it's like, maybe I can like, meet right. up with them. That's right. Yeah, I was like, yeah. maybe I can meet up with them and the Leah Remini like um, crew and stuff. And so I was like, sweet. Uh, Scientology is going to pay for me to go to Florida and I'm just going to hang out on the beach and like maybe get uh, high, high pressure uh, ex- experience and then go hang out with Aaron. Um because at that point I was like, this is completely over. Like Austin's not talking to me. Um, the Sea Org is talking to me and I don't know them from anyone else. So I don't really care. Um, so wow, And they have such a different idea of you in their head. Yeah. I mean, this is, it is, it's, it's, it is actually comedy. I mean, it really is pretty funny. <laughs> but at that, that point I was you know. laughing because like I was already, I was the Austin stuff I was like sad about, but I was like, I can't believe that they are offering to fly me for free to Florida. They have no idea what the fuck is happening. That's right. Like, um, yeah. So, uh, that was pretty amusing, but they, I, um, I think that he figured out that I was in ethics trouble. And so he was like the, the free flight was off the table, but they still wanted me to come. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and they still wanted me to join the Sea Org. Mm -hmm. So, uh, they went ahead and, and, they were like, let's do the like whole life interview thing to get you prepared just to make sure that like you can join the Sea Org. There's nothing that's keeping you besides the ethics trouble. You can handle that, blah, blah, blah. But um, we want to interview you about your life history. And this is like, I guess, a standard thing, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, very much so. Life history, especially. Yeah. That's. Did you do the life history? Yes. <laughs> Did you do and- it honestly? Hell no. Okay, good. Hell because no. it is in the, probably the single most invasive interrogation you will ever get. That's that's why I was saying before I wanted to mention that because it was 
Yeah. I mean, even for me, like I like I had been used to like having conversations with Scientologists where I wasn't all the way truthful. Like I presented myself to the Austin org like as myself, but like on certain things, whenever it came to like whether or not I believed in certain shit, I would lie. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was like actually like pretty intense mm-hmm. um, because I knew certain answers would mean that I couldn't like come down there. Mm-hmm. Um, if I wanted to mm-hmm. and so I and they, they were just so invasive like basically um, it was two different people that interviewed me because they had to call me back and stuff um, but one was a guy and one was a girl and uh, I mean they ask you about all the sexual like they they get into like your sexual history but it's not just like uh, how many sexual partners have you had it's like did you ever like maybe if a boyfriend wanted you to like do something like that you wouldn't normally do? Like, it's just like, oh, like yeah. this is so fucking creepy. Every partner, yeah. every instance, everything you did. Right. Yes. Um, yeah. And there, <laughs> I have to tell you just because I've never told this story before, <laughs> but there was one woman. <laughs> Who actually wrote her like? Who wrote the sexual history part of the life history? Because it's like part three or something of like seven, mm-hmm. you know, six or seven parts or some shit. She wrote it like a romance novel. I mean, what? literally, she wrote it in the third person. She wrote her sexual history in such detail it was like reading a romance novel she then did this and he then did that i mean it was graphic we were we didn't know whether to laugh or be horrified we really couldn't figure (laughs) out how to deal with this because she gave us the data we were asking her for it was just in this really bizarre form anyway i just had to i've never got a chance to talk about that before but See, I feel like that is a moment where, like, when people think, like, cult members are, like, all, like, automatons or whatever. Like, that's a very human moment between you guys because you're right. getting this and, like, all, like, <laughs> <What>? Yeah. People <laughs> don't do like, this, you know. Yeah. Exactly. And you're not used yeah. to it because in a cult, things are very rigid. So it's very mm-hmm. same, same, same. You know, that's yeah. how it is. But anyway, yeah, they ask you about all this invasive sexual stuff. They want to know all your friends, your your all your relatives and mm-hmm. how your relationship is with them right now. Well, I mean, did you, and how did you answer all this stuff? Um, the like my relationships with my family, that was easy, you know. Um, I think I mentioned I was like, oh, my brother works for uh, a pharmaceutical company, but I'm not like close with him, I don't ever talk to him, oh, okay. you know. So yeah. I was like, yeah, it's okay, I don't talk to him, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh. You know, my parents, I was, you know, it's whatever. Um, and, uh, but then there was a snag because they wanted to know, like, when they were asking me about all those, all the sexual stuff, they wanted to know if I'd ever done anything with women. And I was like, no. And they were like, cool, cool, cool. You know, and they went along and did all their other stuff and the drug stuff. I lied, like, I lied about all of that because I've done a lot of drugs. And so, um, I, oh, so you didn't cough up anything about your drug history? No. Cool. No. Good. Um, but so they called. Um, they they got that all done, but then I got a call back because um, there was a point. I mean, the Austin org knew that I was gay, but I don't think that it was. They, there was no 
reason for them to write it down, except for there was this one time I was in the course room and I was talking to the soup about something where I was saying that like I was having these like kind of ups and downs um, like emotionally because this person that I was interested in was like uh, being hot and cold with me. And she was like, she wanted me to write it down. And so I wrote it down and whatever. I don't know where it went, but that was in my file. Uh-huh. And it was a woman. Mm-hmm. And so they called me back and they were like, what's all this? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> they finally so, got the file. Yeah. 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 So they, they got that and they, um, the guy that was interviewing me was fucking relentless about like whether or not I'd had sex with women. And like he went over like every different type of sexual act that I could have done. And he asked me if I had done them. And he asked me that several times. And he was like, you've never done that to her. And she's never done that to you. And like all the, and like he would like repeat it. And I had to like, it was like kind of like, it was really kind of funny, but it was also like, God, I feel like it sucks that I'm like having to say that I've never done this before. Cause I feel kind of like, Wow, like I'm a lesbian. What a fucking like loser. I have never oh. like <laughs> I like haven't I'm having to tell this guy like no, I've never like uh, you know, uh never had any kind of sexual experience. Huh. Uh yeah. So, that was fucking bizarre as hell. But yeah. um In- I mean, there's no question they don't feel they can ask you. They they'll, they'll ask you anything they want. To know, and they feel they have the perfect right to ask you, and you better be telling them the truth. Yeah, that is the attitude. I mean, it's hardcore. It really is. It is. It is. I can. I can. I'm only kind of looking back on this now. It's been so many years since I was in that headspace, and there have been a. It's. There's been a lot of water that's gone under the bridge at this end you know, mm-hmm. over these years. And I used to recruit people. Like I was a- I was the guy on the phone asking yeah. those questions. I've done that work. Mm-hmm. And I and I'm marveling right now at who that person was who did that because it wasn't me. Mm-hmm. It's such a you, different headspace. You felt like uh that was like some that you were operating as like an agent rather than as yourself? I was just in such a different place. Mm-hmm. The the amount of you want to talk about a, a, a place of of entitlement and privilege, that mm-hmm. is the Sea Org. You yeah. know, the Sea Org is this very very rough abusive outfit internally, but mm-hmm. when it comes to the, how the Sea Org deals with people outside of the Sea Org, it is an it is a titanium armor plating. There is you're not getting any of this. Mm-hmm. You are, I'm not telling you anything about myself, but you're telling me everything about you. Yeah. And that's just how it is, right? I well, hold authority, you don't. Right, exactly. And that's why I was just because I sort of knew that on a certain level, that's why I found it so strange that Sarah, the Sea Org member that sold me the books, kept talking to me after she sold me the books and yeah. we talked a lot about her life. Yeah. Cuz it was like, what are you doing? Well, that's why it, I said it mattered. Yeah. Because it did. Because she didn't have to be having those conversations with yeah. you. And those were good conversations. And they were real conversations. And as you've yeah. seen, that's a rarity in the Sea Organ in Scientology. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then, like, whenever I went down to, uh, I eventually went down there. Um, 
not to join the Sea Org, but like because Aaron was having his party, but like they knew that I was there and they were still trying to recruit me. Um, <laughs> I don't know why they just they didn't see it. But It like, just speaks to the desperation. I'm telling you, yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, you're you were a recruit cycle. We would have called you that you were a recruit cycle. Mm -hmm. Your recruit cycle would have been dropped like a hot potato the second it was even hinted that you were gay. Mm -hmm. or earlier you dropping yeah. my name right like wait a minute what <laughs> you know yeah. and there's right. no ethics handling here and this no like what mm -hmm. you know this was so they are but, they are so desperate for people at this point it, it really does speak to that i think i i think this is a i think this is a uh an anecdote that that holds weight yeah i mean it's it's unbelievable that they would like want me because it, if I would be like the least desirable candidate for that position, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and as you said in the past, like this, the hint that I was gay would have been over. You Absolutely. Know? You're never, you're never getting in the sea org as a practicing homosexual. I'm just, yeah, get it. Well, it's impossible. I, I had know? told, I had told the guy interviewing me that, um, I had hooked up with a, with a, with a guy after like, having lesbian feelings and that's what turned that's what like ended it for him yep. he was like oh great oh, okay. <laughs> oh, good yeah yeah um yeah. but yeah i went i went down to clearwater and um uh sarah like found out that i was there and she's like wanted to meet up and i was like what i mean i was like yeah i want to but like why and so like i met up with her and she only had like 10 minutes but like we like hung out for a little bit and then she went off and did her thing Telling but, you that uh, mattered. That mattered. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. and that's why I didn't want to like, because that was so weird. I wanted to like keep talking to that person. Mm -hmm. um, but eventually even that got uh, kind of in, like, I don't know if she got in trouble, but like that definitely got shut down. Yeah. Because her like partner that she had started texting me instead of her. And she wanted like, I had taken a picture with her and she wanted the picture and like, I all of a sudden like this person was like not responding like she wouldn't yep. respond to my text or whatever and I was like okay this per this is getting shut down yep. like yeah that's exactly what happened somebody mm -hmm. probably saw her text messages saw they were personal and was like off the rails mm -hmm. you know you're externally influenced you're being pally it's actually an offense I mean in the sea org that's actually a thing being chummy with the shore is what they call it <laughs> yeah 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 Hubbard's yeah. Ling you know Can't naval lingo can't talk about movies with those people mm -hmm. on the shore. Nope. Well, like I said, Jesus it's, Christ. you know, that, that thing I said, it's a titanium plate. Nothing about what goes on inside the world of the Sea Org is coming out. Nothing. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's locked down. They will not talk about it. Um, which is why if somebody, if one of them is talking about it, that's a big chink in that armor because that's mm -hmm. not how it's supposed to be. And, and what I'm describing to you is not just because Hubbard said so, it's the whole culture of the Sea Org. It's, it's, a, it's a group enforced thing. It's, it's beyond any one person's ability to control. It's just the intensity of an extremist group. That's what they do. Yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. And I could feel it like on, on every level, whenever I started interacting more with Sea Org people, I could feel it on like, yeah. just the, the whole, difference. Whole different vibe from the Austin staff. Yeah. I think there's like that Brian Culkin guy that was uh, that did an interview a long time ago. He had mentioned um, how he went from a local org 
mm-hmm. uh, where he actually felt sort of cared for. And then he was at flag and he was just like, felt like a, a ATM machine. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's how my mom felt. The last thing she did was in Scientology was she went to flag for a month and they treated her like crap and she yeah. hated it. She had the worst experience of her life and she was like, I am never coming back here again. Well, thank God for that. Yeah, that was the end for her, you know, and yeah. she'd gotten really high up on on mm-hmm. training, on auditing. She'd, she'd done a lot. So, yeah, flag is, you know, if they if they don't get rid of you earlier, flag will do the job. They'll 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 work it out to get rid of you. Yeah, there there was the no. It was just it was too strict. Yeah, exactly. Way too much. Well, quite an interesting experience you had. Yeah. You know, I mean, did you uh, did you imagine when we first talked three years ago when you first reached out to me with this idea and I was like, please don't? Um, <laughs> did you did you imagine at all? that it even could have gone to where it went? Uh, no. No, I did not. Because I really thought that um, I could take courses and be like, uh, not uh, emotionally like uh, entangled with anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, to me, it just seemed simple. Like I could, like, as if I was like taking a university course, like right. I'd know the professor and like some of the other classmates, but it was just, it'd be over. Like, um, I think that the events and the, um, the, the events and the fact that I was around the org enough to, to talk to people, um, really changed that experience from just showing it because like my like I like I said my twin he never went to events and he has this very like loose connection with them yeah and so that's what I thought my experience was going to be like but then I ended up you know I'm an extremely social person and so I ended up talking to these people and no I didn't I did not expect it to go that way I did know that at the end I would have to like never see these people again but I didn't think that I would care right yeah Right, exactly. Um, and there's, you know, and, and just to highlight a difference here in the thinking, because I see exactly where you were going with that, where you were thinking and how you were thinking that way. And it really, I mean, it's really a lesson learned and, and, and hindsight, you know, we can say, we can look back on that and see. The thing about Scientology or about cults in general, destructive cults in general, is that they are built on emotional connections. Mm-hmm. You know, I've said I've said for years one of the one of the most basic logical fallacies that people will fall into going into one of these groups is um, is appeal to emotion. There's a tremendous amount of the feels that are going on trying to bring you in and keep you in and retain you as a cult mm-hmm. member. And so it's all about connecting at some human level with these people, right? Uh, otherwise it doesn't the spell doesn't quite work as strongly as well. And Yeah. You know, and then and then people leave, and even you knowing all that, mm-hmm. it still works on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know? and and that's the thing is, people like some of the, like my close friends were not very worried about me, but like some of my acquaintances in the comedy community were worried that um, I would be brainwashed, um, and they were wrong about that. Like I wasn't brainwashed by the tech, mm-hmm. but they were right in the sense that. Uh, I was not expecting the emotional component to be as strong as it was. Exactly. And that's just 
based on like your everyday interaction where like you start to be fond of people, you know? And, um, and these, the thing that is so horrifying is that like, even if the people that, um, that I want to talk to wanted to talk to me, they literally can't. And it's not even really their fault because their moms, their dads, their brothers, sisters, everyone is in the, the group. And they would have to literally choose me over those people if they wanted to talk to me. And like, that's, you know, out of the question, obviously. That's right. Um, And so that's what I I think that's one of the most insidious things is that like that you are presented with anyone that wakes up that you have a relationship with, you're suddenly presented with, you're going to lose someone. You're going to lose either the people that are still in, or you're going to lose that person that's leaving. Like, that sucks. I mean, it's, it's a horrible situation to be in. And I think it happens like constantly. That's right. That's exactly right. And it is, and that, you know, pretty much is the basis of the tragedy of most of the broken relationships of these groups that is the the consequence of it. Ugh, yuck, 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 huh? Sorry. No, not done. Not don't be sorry at all. It's part of the experience. And, you know, I'm 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 including this podcast in the in a series of interviews I've done with people that I've called the Scientology Experience, um, because this is what happens, you know. And I walk and we've walked through many people's stories with this in and out of Scientology, and and uh, every one of them is in and out of Scientology, you know, yeah. <laughs> because that's as uh, you know, as as my friend Mark Headley likes to say, you know, that is the ultimate product of Scientology is you leaving Scientology. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and it's really just a matter of how much money and time and energy they're going to nice siphon off of you before you go. Yeah, definitely. And I, I what one other thing I wanted to mention about the emotional component that I um, that you brought up uh, is that there was something that I realized while I was in that um, was very disturbing to me uh, because of like how much I wanted to be not connected uh, mentally. Mm-hmm. Is that I knew that uh, their project was um, should like if if I was to get my way, their project of building Scientology and expanding it would fail. Mm-hmm. But while I was in, there was a certain part of me that was like rooting for them mm-hmm. because it's like when you watch like The Sopranos and like you want Tony Soprano to like do well. It's like you're what he's like a villain, but like you're seeing it from their perspective and you're like, yeah, I want you to do well. Like I want you to get the things that you want. That's right. You know, that's right. And, and so there was a weird, there was a weird feeling of being on their side. Um, and a weird feeling of them being on my side. Like if someone wanted to fuck with me, like they like would have my back. Yep. And it's, it's, that was one of the strangest feelings. Because yeah. I knew it was an illusion, but it was it was definitely a feeling that I had. Absolutely, and 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 had you stuck with it, not so illusory. I mean, let's be real. At the t- at the moment, it was very real. Mm-hmm. You know, you were presenting yourself as a Scientologist. You even said, "I'm a Scientologist." They had no reason to doubt you. You're mm-hmm. there. You're paying money. You're p- taking part in this activity. You're a group member. Yeah. You know, and. Mm-hmm. And those connections are real connections, you know. And this is, uh, you know, nobody uh, undercover work, whatever you want to call it. You know, <laughs> it takes a, it has a price. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, nobody's like, you know, they're just data. They just go in and, and, and are this perfect actor and have no actual emotional connection with other human beings. It doesn't work that way at all. Yeah. I had some Scientology Donnie Brasco shit going on. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was like, who is, am I? That's right. It's, yeah. It is what it is, man. Yeah. I find myself, I'll, I'll just contribute to that as well by saying that, you know, for years after leaving Scientology, I would see these these failed organizations, these goose egg organizations that, you know, there's just nobody coming in, nothing happening, no books being sold. And I, you know, I was for years, not, not weeks, not months, for years, I was working at expanding those organizations, like with all my might. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard. It was so hard for so long. It's not now. Now it's not. I don't have any conflict, but it, but for a long time, there was this, you know, in my head of making fun of them, but also thinking, you bunch of idiots. It doesn't have to be like, you could change this. Yeah. You could turn this around. You could, you could grow Scientology. If you guys would just do a couple simple things, this yeah. whole thing could turn around, you know, but you got to stop being a destructive cult. And, and it's in the, and, and it's in their DNA to be what they are. They can't be something mm -hmm. different than that. So, yeah. You I know. definitely had those conversations in my head too of like, if you guys would just stop, like, oh my God, doing this or that, like, maybe you'd get what you want, but right? you can't stop because it's part of like who you are. That's right. And they can't think their way out of that. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going to watch this. I guarantee you that there, that, that there are people who are going to see this and in, in Scientology. And, um, and they're gonna, and they're thinking right now. We have no idea what we're talking about. We're a bunch of idiots. We're just suppressives. And it's like, man, I've been in that headspace, dude. You know, you yeah. got to come out to mine. I've been in yours. Yeah. <laughs> I know what that yeah. feels like. You know, and you know, and we're just a couple of regular people just living life. This isn't. This isn't. You know, the the just the suppressive league of America. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Good stuff. I want to thank you for you know for doing this. It's this has been a long time coming. We've been uh, we've been talking off and on for a long time, and I'm really glad this happened. And and I think this, I think this was okay. What do you think? Yeah, it was good. I mean, there it, I didn't realize until we started getting into it how much, how long of a saga it's been, but and how many different things. There's stuff that we didn't even get into. It's it's fine, but like I, I'm just like, damn. Okay, that was right? a lot. Yeah. So um, I think this was good, though. I think we got. We like talked about a lot of good stuff. Cool. Well, I, I, for our first real live, you know, communication like this for this length of time, I thought it went great. And I was very happy to, to do this with you. So thanks for, thanks for doing all this and, and suffering the shellacking that you did so you can tell the story that you have. I mean, I'm sure there's more you can do with this and should, by the way. Um, I mean, I, I can only imagine the comet gold that must be here if you think that, think it through on that. <laughs> level yeah. but uh but anyway like i said thank you for for going and and uh you know taking the hits for us and and coming back to tell the story uh, well thank you for like you know being there for all my random questions throughout the, all this time and uh you know and for being willing to talk with me because i i think this is uh it's pretty cathartic for sure yeah yeah it helps doesn't it yeah for sure cool all right guys I hope that you found this conversation, as usual, interesting, enjoyable, entertaining, informative. Uh, if so, you know, maybe think about supporting this channel. It, it is you guys who keep this going. 
You you paid for this mic. You bought this board. You you are keeping these lights on. It is you guys, I, seriously. And uh, I want to thank you for that. And I want to contribute. I want to uh, you know ask that if you want to contribute to this, I would I would very much appreciate it because because um, I, I could use that right now. Going back to university, especially, I've got uh, I got some books to buy <laughs> and some things to cover. So anyway. That's my plug for this week on that. And uh, regardless of, of your level of support for the channel, thank you very much for your viewership and for inviting me into your home for this time. And I will see you next week. Bye-bye.